0: Hello and welcome to the Pit Inks Podcast. This is episode number 106. This is our Pro Tour episode for Fate Reforged. I am the host, Angelo. I am your limited connoisseur. I play a lot of limited, and that's basically where my expertise sits. And with me this week is uh, Will.
1: What up, Internet?
0: And Will's main expertise, because he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades, but his, band, his main expertise in my eyes is he is a magic historian, and it's good to have him with us when we do these pro tours because he's forgotten a lot of crap that I learned and discarded immediately. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I like, uh, competitive magic. It's been a very big part of my life. It's a very cool thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I find it odd that sometimes you can remember, you know, who finished second place, which is like impossible. Like you, you can't ask me who finished second place in a Super Bowl five years ago and expect me to remember. <laughs> but like you'll remember who finished second place in a PT 10 years ago. And it's like, I don't know how the fuck he does
1: that. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I watch a lot of PT VODs in my, in my downtime. Listeners, you know, if you're ever bored, like, and you have access to, you know, the internet, <laughs> which I'm You're sure you are listening to this, so... Right? So, like, dude, there's, like, a wide array of pro tours that are, like, they go on video all the way back to the early 2000s, and, you know, you can really learn a lot about Magic by going back and checking them out.
0: Yeah, I actually saw a quote um, on our Facebook page after uh, the tournament was over this week where somebody said, this is the first
1: tournament I've ever watched. What the hell is taking me this long? Yeah, I don't know, man. I Like, <laughs> now, I... You know, I try and watch Grand Prix but it's it's hard to be there in the seat every weekend, especially with my work schedule. But like man, especially Pro Tour Week. Pro Tour is fucking Christmas that we get four times a year. Pro Tour Week is just the coolest week ever. Yeah and this one definitely did not disappoint
0: either. You can only learn from watching these things. I mean yeah, I, I I've been there where I'm watching it and I'm like, Fuck, I'm bored. But you know what? In the end, you always learn something watching these things, because you're just watching the highest skilled player in the world. <laughs> yeah,
1: seriously, the best players, like guys that can just beat you senseless with a pre-con.
0: Yeah, just trading magic cards with each other, and it's like, wow, I never would have thought to do that play in that order of cards. That's insane that he mm-hmm. thought around that. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so worth watching if you never have, but... Before we get started into round one and we get started into the drafts, um, I do want to announce that Zach Hill's replacement. They brought in uh, Ian Duke from R and D, and I thought he did a really
1: good job. Yeah, I thought he presented himself well on camera. You know, I think he looked pretty good under the lights, and uh you know, didn't really let the big the big stage phase him that much. No, and it seemed like for
0: being an R and D guy, because you know the joke is once you go to Magic, you forget how to play. Um, yeah,
1: well, he, <laughs> he yes, seemed to really that is the joke. Yeah, he seemed to really be on it. So. Yeah, I think he really studied very hard. I think he took it very seriously, uh, you know, what his, his job was going to be for this Pro Tour. I, I thought he really hit a home run. Yeah,
0: he's a former pro-, pro Tour player from, I believe, the state of New York. And, um, then he went on the R&D, you know, some years back and, now he's here doing this. So, cool. Thank you. Thanks for that. But day one, they sit us down. They go, guys, we're going to let you watch two drafts. And oh, it, let us watch a couple good ones. Um, one is Josh Utter layton I always like watching Raptor draft. I, I just do. He's a he's a robot. Yeah, dude. He's just fundamentally so sound. Yeah. It's unreal. And then the second one we got to watch was LSV, which, I mean, as this weekend kind of pointed out, this was a weekend of Hall of Famers, so having LSV draft was kind of cool, too. Um so, here's the way it broke down for Josh hutter the 20th player in the world currently. Uh, he opens up his first pack, he has a Shuyun, the Silent Tempest. Um that's pretty much a snap cake.
1: I mean, that's a, that's a really high quality card. There are very few commons and uncommons that can match that. Right, right. Um so his second pick was Lightform, uh, it's the enchantment that manifests.
0: It gives you, I believe it's a Vigilant Creature with Lifelink. Uh,
1: 2-2 two, two Fly, or Vigilant Lifelink? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't think it gets flying. No,
0: uh, the flying one is the blue one.
1: It's yeah, it's like hexproof. Yeah.
0: Um, and then the third pick, kind of curiously, he took Battle Brawler over Lotus Pathogen.
1: Yeah, I've, you know, Battle Brawlers, I, I've talked to some people who say it's just like what, like the best uncommon based on, you know, uh how mana efficient it is and how dominating it is on the early game. You really can't fuck with it until turn five, you know.
0: Yeah, I don't know that I'd call it the best uncommon, but it is very good. Oh yeah, I mean I wouldn't call it that either, but I've heard some people mention it. Yeah, there's that uh one creature that bolsters for two and any creature with uh plus one, plus one counters on like
1: it. Elite scale Guard. Yeah, that's the best uncommon. <laughs> yeah, right, Shout out to Ryan Pice for picking up on that like way early in the spoiler season. Yeah, the card's
0: insane. So but he takes the battle brawler over the Lotus Pathogen and, and with him already taking Shu Yun, that's why I was like, Wow, that's a little curious. Um
1: yeah, you know, didn't want to commit overall to, I guess, to blue. You know, he looked very comfortable trying to get into black-white.
0: Right. Uh So his next pick was Reach of Shadows, uh, which, you know, just fine. I mean, it says kill that, and there's not a lot of cards that say kill that.
1: Yeah, it's terror. I mean, it's five mana, but it still works.
0: Yeah, and his fifth pick was a Noxious Dragon. Um I didn't really notice any notables after his t- top five picks. Um, so his, he gets a second pack, and now we're out of Fate Reforged. We're in the cons. Um, and he goes and gets him an Absan battle priest. And he took this over in Ankle Shanker, which, you know, black white, he could still splash red, but you're like, eh, I don't know. You know yeah,
1: just trying to keep himself committed to his colors and, and send out clear signals.
0: Right, right. Uh, his second pick was a kill shot.
1: <sighs> Nothing wrong with that.
0: Nothing wrong with that. His third pick was Alabaster Kieran. Again, I have no problem with that. Uh timely Horde Mate. Very good card, especially if you are going to be running that battle brawler, right?
1: Yeah, if if I mean if you're in the Black White Warriors deck, timely Horde May can get really crazy. I mean, it, its power level is is definitely variant based on your deck, but uh you know, especially like if you're you know if you're slower and you don't have the two drops, it's it's not actually that sweet. Right. So at this point he's black white, but you
0: know, look at the splash of possible other colors, maybe green, maybe uh
1: red. He goes
0: and picks a fifth pick, Wooly Locks it on, so he's like, Okay, I'm gonna dip my toe into Ab in
1: yeah I mean it's a morph and it's it's flip cost is very cheap it's a It's a big dude also he's huge um yeah he gets
0: uh rewarded on this because he gets fast to pick seven on guide the guy's good yeah, he <laughs> is um but then the strange thing happens pick nine comes around and hey there's that ankle shanker that he passed yeah tabled <laughs> so he grabs the you know the ankle shanker, obviously, whether he plays it or not, you know who knows but it it does leave another lane open for him to splash right um so then uh and I got to give Ian due credit before they opened up the packs so he goes you know what does what does Josh Harden Layton want to see you know in this pack you know what what rare does he want and he said I, if i was in his seat i would want to see high sentinels of Russian. so what does he flip over <laughs> 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 fucking high sentinels dude called the shot Um, So he takes the High Sentinels, obviously. I mean, it's one of the best rares.
1: It is incredibly powerful. It can take over a game all on its own.
0: Phew. Boy, you ain't kidding. Um, Works really good with the uh, Scale Guard, too. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> it just ends games when those two cards are on a table together. Uh okay, so then he gets a Mardu Skull Hunter, and he took that over a feeder resistance mainly because of a need for an early creature.
1: Yeah, yeah. He was pretty late game at this point in time. Right.
0: Um and then he took a war behemoth over another alabaster Kieran. That kind
1: of shocked me a little bit.
0: Well, I think the Morph played a lot into that. Like, I mean, mm. I, I looked at it as I would take the Kirin because there's a chance I'm going to see another War Behemoth. Right. Um, but, you know, he was like, look, I need early drops and I can drives. roll this thing. Yeah. So then next pick he gets a War Behemoth. <laughs> He's <was> probably <laughs> kicking himself.
1: Oh, man, I'm definitely running both of these, buddy. My deck is done.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so then uh, fifth pick he gets Scour Barons, uh That is the Black-White Land. I believe. Yeah, that is yeah. very good for him. Um, and then, uh, seventh pick in this, uh, notably, he got a, uh, bloodfell caves, which allows him to play that ankle shanger.
1: Yeah. Getting the late fixing really helps out for sure. Like there's a lot less demand for people drafting the, uh, the dual lanes because a lot of people are just trying to focus so heavily on two colors right now.
0: Right. Right. And we saw some people really take advantage of that. Uh, Jelgers Vieger. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my um, goodness.
0: Uh, so LSV, he sits down and does his draft. Uh, while they're building, they let us watch this. So it's not just dead air. Good, yeah. good up on the Wizards for figuring that one out. Um, so he goes pack one, pick one, Valor stance.
1: Uh, that's a good card.
0: It is. Uh, I, I had a hard time arguing with it. The rare that was in the pack, I didn't really get to see it. Because he dismissed it so fast. So I'm guessing it wasn't very good. <laughs> I even went back and tried to, and watched it like three times, trying to see what that last card to pack was and never saw. Um so his next pick was Sandstep Outcast, is two one.
1: Yeah, that makes the the flying buddy. Right. Pretty friends. pretty solid dude.
0: Absolutely. Uh third pick Soul Summons.
1: It's I uh, I think that's a fine card. I got to play with a couple copies of it this week and was pretty impressed.
0: Yeah, I like it early. I don't really care for it too much later in the game, but I guess that's pretty much true with Eddie Bear.
1: Yeah, and, uh, the thing that I really like is that it, it, it's a prowess trigger yeah. on a bear. Yeah, I, I, great.
0: the one problem I've found with it, and maybe it's just my bad luck, to be real honest, is uh, it seems like every time I go ahead and cast Soul Summons, The spell that I need is underneath it. It's not a creature, it's not a land, it's like
1: Oh, that's awkward. God
0: damn it, that's my reach of shadows. I need that. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I just get lands every time when I manifest.
0: Okay, so you're just lucky. Um fourth pick Gurmog Angler, the Pat Chapin special.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean that's a it's a really good card. Like it's a five five, it's big.
0: It is. Uh for four or five usually.
1: Yeah, that's, that's about average to it's pay for. Not it, it, I mean, it's like, not eight. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a good dude. Yeah, he is.
0: Uh, fifth was Abzan Sky Captain. I thought this was a pretty good pick up late.
1: Yeah, no doubt, you know.
0: Um, so then he got a couple, uh, notable picks. In his, uh, pack, where he got a six pith pick Lotus Path Gin.
1: That guy's extremely good. He's one of the better blue commons.
0: Right, and he housed with blue white just a week ago, so, you yeah. know, he has no problem switching if he needs to. And then he gets a pick seven and eight right into being.
1: Uh, I also got to play with that card this weekend. That card's it's, insane. It's very good. <laughs> uh, was, was overall, was extremely impressed by it. It, it felt a lot like a Seagate Oracle. Um, See? which is pretty good.
0: I look at it and when I play it I, I feel like I'm playing preordained plus get a creature.
1: Which is Seagate Oracle. You know, <laughs> right. It's just yeah.
0: like this is insane. It's just yeah. entirely too good. Um, so then he leaves that pack, yeah, he goes into a second pack. Still not hundred percent sure that he's gonna commit to blue. We know he's in white. Um mm-hmm. and then he opens an Icy Blast.
1: Uh that's a pretty solid card if you're trying to be aggressive.
0: So yeah, I mean it's better in teamer because of the ferocious side, but uh
1: I mean if you have prowess dudes it's definitely it's
0: definitely yeah, it's doable to
1: be ferocious as well. Right. So you know? um the icy
0: blast kind of tells him, yo dude, you're blue white. Uh <laughs> so then he takes a force away over a tranquil cave cove, which is questionable. E- you know, either way you look at it, it's like I-, I could justify either pick.
1: Yeah, I mean it all I guess it ultimately depends on how greedy he wants to be. If you're if you're solidly in two colors, the, the dual land is pretty marked. Marginal, I mean, but if he's trying to splash a third, every every dual land he has is, is good. Right, I mean, but even when you're playing two colors, I mean, they're good. They're good. Oh yeah, they're never bad. But like Force Away is a, I mean, it's a card. It's a pretty good card. Like it is. Um, you, you know, blue white is definitely tempo. So you you got to make sure you can keep their big dudes off the table. You know, it's not crippling chill. It's no, it's not, not.
0: You know, there's other cards that I would say okay, I can understand picking that over. Force Away is kind of the worst of the tempo plays in the format. It's still very good. Yeah. You know, of like the crippling chills and the, uh, water whirls and the icy blast. It's kind yeah, of the Philip worst of them. Him, yeah. Right. But, you know, he took it and, you know, fine. Works out, I suppose. Um, he has a Jeskai Elder third pick. Very good pick up there. Um, yeah, that's reasonable. He's now solidly blue white, uh, salt road patrol over a crippling chill. That one I found, uh, curious considering he took the force away over the tranquil cove, but yeah, like, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's L S V. And and you know what? LSV knows how to get lucky. Uh he then he gets a fifth pick kill shot. Things are looking good. Um, a couple notables. Uh ninth pick he got a whirlwind adept. That's really late for that.
1: Yeah, that's a fine card. Okay, and then thirteenth pick,
0: uh remember that crippling show he skipped? Somehow that made it all the way back to him. So that's why he didn't take it the first time. <laughs>
1: He it's, said, no one's drafting blue. I'm going to get this back. It,
0: that just, it means shocked me. I
1: yeah, like, it's crazy. 13th, yeah, Crippling it's a, Chill? It's a quality card in any kind of blue, you know, aggressive archetype.
0: Right, which, you know, you'll see in the next pack, it's it's just awkward. Uh, so then LSV opens his third pack, he gets a Jeskai Ascendancy.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd probably take that card.
0: <laughs> We're playing Jeskai.
1: Yeah, uh, that's good. Then
0: he gets a Crippling Chill, pick two. So he's okay taking it second or
1: 13th. It's Yeah, it's very strange. You know, I don't remember what was all in the pack, so I, I don't know how, how strong the, the rest of the pack was.
0: It wasn't super strong. I mean, yeah. it wasn't what he was looking for in there, but it, it does, you know, it is kind of humorous that he got one third.
1: Oh, no at doubt. the same
0: time he gets one second. Um, third pick, he gets a Suspension Field Pass to him. Like, that is Ooh, really late for a Suspension. A,
1: that's a that's an extremely high-quality Uncommon.
0: Yeah. Um, then he gets an Einoch Bonkin, fourth pick, and a Feeder Resistance, fifth pick.
1: are what his, card you want.
0: His deck is well set up. Uh, what do you think, just going off of the decks? I know when I was watching it, I thought LSV's deck was very, very consistent and good, and I didn't think Raptors was the best.
1: Well, it's like Raptor was struggling to find top-end cards in a in a black-white shell that kind of didn't have a great early game. Uh Whereas, like, LSV's deck looks really good on paper. You know, like, he has good, you know, draws that are very linear and can end the game in pretty quick fashion. Right, right. He just prowess you out. Uh, So, we start the
0: tournament off, round one. We get LSV, Hall of Famer, playing blue-white splash red.
1: Just a touch, just for, you know.
0: Just for Ascendancy. Yeah. That's it. Um, but you know what? That's a card we're board for. <laughs> and Sam Pardee, who is in four color. Um, so the game starts out, uh, LSV has a very good early curve. Um, Sam kind of had a clunky start, uh, just to be completely real. Um, LSV gets down three creatures and then casts a Jeskai Ascendancies. He follows that with a crippling chill. Um, Pardee plays in Abomination of Godul. And that kind of puts the brakes on LSV's plan for a couple turns, but life totals are already 20 to 7. A few turns later, LSV gets a couple of ascendancy triggers, and then he gets the swing, dropping party e to four. Party e does play a Sorin. And this kind of, you know, puts the brakes on LSV I mean, again. Soren's a pretty good card. Yeah, he's, he's insane. Um, LSV, however, plays a suspension field, tapping down, the, uh, one of the flyer, his one flyer, and is able to swing through, to kill Soren. Next turn he casts treasure cruise, um, he finds an icy blast, and that basically closes the game out for him. Uh so LSV wins this one to zero. Game two. Uh Sam party plays a saddle brute, then follows that with a Soren. That is scary.
1: Yeah. That is a lot of life that can be gained. Yeah, uh, so LSV
0: manages to three for one himself with Valor's stance. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But oh, he yeah. has to
0: do this to get to Soren, like this is important. Yeah. Um party then casts Death Death's Frenzy and that clears LSV's board and then Soren gets ultimated. I don't need to say any more. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that game. So yeah. one one, uh game three, Pardee uh gets a really fast start, turn one Dissonance as or turn two whisper of the woods. He couldn't really be asking for anything. Yeah, that's what you're this. looking for. Um and LSV plays really slow. He doesn't get anything out until turn three when he plays Ascendancy. Um both players after that begin to grow their boards, uh, Pardee does strip LSV's last two hand, last two cards from his hand, and one of them is an Icy Blast, and he follows that by playing Sword. Um LSV is, Top Decks are Crippling Chill, again, is able to tap down the one flyer, swings through, kills Sword, next turn, Pardee will take eight off of a bunch of Ascendancy triggers and a take up arms to, uh, end the game. LSV wins two to one.
1: Um, well, wow.
0: Really looked like Pardee had that
1: game. Yeah, for sure. I mean definitely like going that far into card disadvantage is uh is something, but I mean you can't let planeswalkers hang around unlimited.
0: Yeah, and not just that, I mean like that shows the power of ascendancy where he was just like mm-hmm. able to chain a couple triggers together and rebuild his board.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're able to dig through the chaff with the loot triggers, and your like, any board is amazing when you have ascendancy and cards in hand. Yep, uh, so that's how he got himself
0: back into it. We had a couple looks-ins worth, uh, talking about. Ari Lax, um, <clears throat> he's playing a Roshota Yasoka, And in one of the games, in, in the last game of the match, Ari managed to turn his Abzan guide into a 10-10. And this <laughs> is with counters. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Abzan guides that are 10-10s, there's really only two answers in the game for. It. As far as limited goes, it's like either you have a murderous cut or you have a – uh
1: the shadow- five mana one from shadow, yeah. Yeah. Reach of Shadows.
0: Yeah. yeah. Th- those are your answers. If you don't if have them, those, <laughs> you, you don't beat this card. And uh Yeah, he didn't beat that card. I mean just like – that's a 20 life swing every time. Uh,
1: every turn. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and if he doesn't hit
0: you, he's killing a creature and gaining 10 life. Like that's just sick. Um We had Ivan Flock versus Craig Wesco as well. Um, flock had a huge board when they got to it um wesco had nothing
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah wesco and his his green white deck maybe didn't quite come together the way he wanted to
0: yeah i don't think it did wesco does play immediately though as soon as flock turns the you know passes the turn back to him he plays a bear and a hooting mandrels right away um he attacks flock and flock just has to block due to life totals um this evens the board with Wesco, you know, they both have a very similar board. Then, uh, he plays a Mardu Horde Chief and a Teamer Sabertooth. Flock.
1: Teamer Sabertooth is good.
0: Yep, uh, Flock attacks and he casts Teamer Battle Rage to get the win and the match. Dude, that card showed up this weekend. It, it's real.
1: It's very real. Yeah, for sure.
0: I mean, like, it's...
1: Putting Double Strike and Trample on the same card is very serious.
0: Yeah, I mean, I got to use it during the pre-release, and I liked it. Like, I really liked it. And to see that, you know, the pros kind of agree with me that, hey, this card's real, like, it's not a joke. Like, that kind of... Made me feel good because there's a lot of times I like bad cards early on. <laughs> and I was kinda worried with that one. Uh so our next match is round two. Tom Martell rocking Salt versus former player of the year Brad Nelson rocking Abzin. They was both been player of the year before. Right?
1: Uh I don't know that Tom Martell was player of the year. Okay.
0: <laughs> he was either really close like last year or he was.
1: Oh. No, he wasn't
0: Duke got it. So yeah, he's yeah. been close. Just never has been. Um, both of them in Game 1 have just bad mana issues. I mean, just just terrible. Um, Brad Nelson, however, does get down a morph off of the three swamps that he has in play. Mind you, I said he's playing a three-color deck. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he eventually gets down a delved-out Gurmog Angler. Uh, both players continue to have the mana problems with uh, more missing a color. And Nelson missing a color as well. Nelson, however, finds his third color first, and he's able to drop an Anafensa, and pretty much that closed out the game following a Raid of the Serpent. Um, Martell got his third color just a turn too late. Game two, um, it's a stalemated game until Mar- uh, Martell ends up playing a Solemn that's a really sweet card. Right. Uh you figure that's gonna end you know, that's just going to go ahead and put the brakes on everything, but Nelson flips the sage eye harrier and says, Ha ha, now we're standing.
1: Oh no. That card's terrible.
0: It is, but it's a one-five and it could block solo all,
1: all day. All day.
0: Um uh, so Nelson puts out two rotting mastodons. And he's just like, Look, I got the board just stalled. You can't attack. I can't do shit, but you can do nothing. And that's my game plan, not yours. Um but Martel eventually casts a SAGU mower.
1: Yeah, that guy's big enough to get through. Nah,
0: not really. It's only a six six. So
1: oh, he's
0: yeah, so what he does is he uh uses Hunt the Week to hit one of the Mastodons and his Sagumawer.
1: Yeah, deal it seven damage.
0: Then he attacks with his Solomgar, giving Neg one Neg one to it. Killing the mastodon.
1: Well, that's good. That's one okay. of them out of the way.
0: Then Martel follows that with a reach of shadows, and the next turn swings for the win.
1: That's awesome.
0: Uh, just you know, very good play. That's one of those plays that, like I said, might not be obvious to everybody that you see pros do, where he's like, you know what, I'm going to make this a seven-seven and then attack, shrink that thing, and you know that's that's it's a good solid play, you know.
1: Yeah, whereas a lot of people would just be cursing their luck at not being able to deal eight damage.
0: Right, right. Uh, Not not even thinking, oh, yeah, I could shrink at, right. Right. Um, So, game three, Nelson Mulligan's the five. uh, However, this was the game that they had the best mana out of all three of them. (laughs) On turn three, they had all their colors, both players. Um, That's
1: good. That's what you want.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Brad does get in a good bit of early damage, but Martell does stabilize and take hold. Um, Brad eventually casts an Anafensa, while Martell just decides to expand his board. He gets his board expanded enough, and he holds up uh, two Disdainful Strokes in hand, then casts Roxas's Secret, just stripping Nelson's hand completely. After that, Martel's able to go on the offensive blocks have to be made. Blocks are made. Martell still has, you know, more creatures on the board than Nelson. And he has counters to back it up, and that pushes him to the end of the game, winning it 2-1. Congrats to Tom Martel. Uh, One of the look-ins, which this game went really long, so I didn't really get to see any other games, but a thing of note was Andreas Mangucci, uh, he took the King of the Hill seat from uh, Ari Lax, and that was the seat that Andreas Mangucci made famous, or it made him famous. I'm not really sure, but you know, the first time they had it he went on like a thirteen game winning streak while sitting in that seat. So Oh
1: yeah, winning streaks went in King of the Hill seat, huh?
0: Yeah, he it was the very first time they did the King of the Hill and he went nuts and just went on this real long winning streak, kinda of made it a mainstay after he did it. They was like, That was really cool, you know, like this guy nobody's ever heard of. You know, he, he just got in there and just wrote it. Now everybody knows who he is because he was on camera for 13 straight matches and, <laughs> and he had a good tournament, you know, so then round three, well, I don't know about you, but when they announced who the round three pairing was, I was giddy. Not only is it two Hall of Famers, yes. but it's two Hall of Famers known for their limited skill. So I'm just, hee hee hee. As we have Yogur Vigersma versus Shuhei Nakamura. Oh man. Oh baby oh baby
1: oh. Baby. Ooh, that's Shuhei. <laughs> like. I guess there was a stat that he's played in something like thirty-five to forty percent of all total Grand Prixs ever. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, she is the man. Yeah, and Yelger, he cut his
0: teeth back in the day when a pro tour was nothing but limited. Yeah, and that's when he, you know, was like, right, "Look, I don't have to play this constructed shit. I'm gonna go to these limited ones, and I am gonna crush face." And he made himself a Hall of Famer that way.
1: That's true. Um, he was so, one of the first true great limited masters.
0: So I was like really pumped to see this matchup. I'm like, okay, cool. Unfortunately, I, you know, when you get really pumped for something, it doesn't always live up to it. But it still went to three games, so yay. Um, or no, it only went to two games, so yay. Uh,
1: yeah, Yelger's deck was pretty good. Yeah, Yelger
0: was on five color. He took the uh, the approach that I'm going to take lands and rares and nothing else.
1: <laughs> I mean, if I saw packs like that, I'd do that too.
0: They said that he had seven dual lands at the end of pack one.
1: He just got seven of the eight. Yeah.
0: Wow. <laughs> he's just, dual land, take it, dual land, take it, dual land, take it, rare, take it, dual land, take it. I mean, wow. that was his game plan. Um But anyway, Shuhei gets off to a very early lead with his Mardu deck. Um And it really looks like he's going to just take this game over and win it really fast. And then top decks a Death Frenzy on turn five, which he quickly plays Um while he was at two life. So I mean, like, he needed this thing off the top. It put him yeah. back up to, uh, it cleared Shuhei's board, put him back up to six. Um, Shuhei follows that by playing two creatures, uh, but they were quickly met by a dead drop from Yelger.
1: I like dead drop. Uh huh. I think it's a sweet card.
0: It, it is very good. Uh. I, I still, you know, I, I just hate something about the card, but damn it, do I play it. Yoger yeah. um, then plays a Necropolis Fiend in a Highland game uh, with life totals 6 to 21. Uh, Shuhei looks at the table and goes, hmm, okay. And then Yoger plays a Sandstep Mastodon, and Shuhei looks at the table and goes, yeah, I can't win. And <laughs> he picks his cards up. <laughs> I mean, even with the life totals so far in Shuhei's, yeah. Wheelhouse, he just was like, there's no way I kill these creatures, and I'm dead next turn, like legitimately. Uh, and I have no way of dealing six damage, like an arrow storm doesn't do it for me. Uh, so, okay, let's move on. Game two, uh, Shuhei has a little bit of trouble with mana. Yelger gets down an Acropolis Fiend, but it is quickly met with a murderous cut. Unfortunately, Yelger has two of the damn things. <laughs> Which he promptly <laughs> Uh, after everything, uh, Shuhei play. After that, Shuhei, it seems like everything he plays, Yelger just has an answer for it, whether it's crackling doom or, you know, debilitating injury. It just has an answer for everything, and he quickly just goes on to win. Um, So, Yelger wins 2-0. Mr. Vigersma finishes his pod 3-0. So, we're gonna to move to the Craig Wesco game, cause this game ended super fast. Uh, Craig Wesco in game two, uh, when they jumped there, he was hellbent in an attempt to win versus Shady Baderon. Uh, both players, by the way, are 0-2, so this means something. Like, they, they need a win because coming out of the draft 0-3, your shot at top eight is basically nil.
1: Basically none. Yeah.
0: yeah I mean, you can do it. Think, I think, I think it's
1: happened block. once or twice, but, uh. You can't yeah. lose the rest yeah. of the way. The so. rest of the, of the
0: tournament. So, yeah, I mean, you gotta get a win here. Um, Baudron declares blocks. Uh He casts a Reach of Shadows, and he ends up going to one uh, after that exchange. Uh, he draws his cards, sees no answer. Wes goes just too wide, and he scoops his cards up. This ties the game 1-1. Um, in game three, Baudron takes the trade-anything approach early on. Like, anything he swings with, I'm just going to block. I don't care if we trade. Like, his whole thing is, you know, he wants to get wide on me and get down as many creatures as possible. I'll put the brakes to that by killing things. Um, eventually that stops and they begin to just start trading blows because Badran has a little bit bigger of a board and he's like, look, I'm dealing six and he's only dealing four. Fuck it. I'm going to go ahead and we're going to start trading blows. Um, (laughs) Eventually, (laughs) this is not a good plan. Badran blinks and he starts to keep creatures back. Well, when you're in a race, first one to blink, usually loses. <laughs> Wesco just goes ahead and he just hellbents his hand again. And he's like, look, I'm just going to get four creatures wider than you, which he does. Um, he goes ahead and swings. He puts Shady to one again. And Shady does the whole draw scoop thing again. <laughs> and Craig Wesco gets his win. So he's still live. Um, it's not the best positioning, but it's live still. Um some notables after the draft that I figured we should go over was we got to watch Josh Other Leighton do his draft, and he finished o three, and that deck wasn't as good as what we would expect from him, so it makes yeah. sense. Um, we got to watch LSV's draft, which you know we both kind of liked the way he drafted. He went three o. Yeah, I like the blue white strategy. I think it's pretty sweet. Right, uh, Gabriel Nassif, another Hall of Famer. I don't know why I put him on this list, but I, I wanted to see how he did.
1: He went one and two. Yeah, he's not really necessarily known as a limited master. Right,
0: he's not, but you know,
1: he's still Gabe Nassif, you know? Yeah, he is the final boss.
0: Yeah, uh, Ephra, he goes ahead and he starts the tournament off 3-0. This is going to be a recurring theme, folks. <laughs> Patrick Chapin, he starts off the tournament 3-0. This is not going to be a recurring theme. <laughs> Actually, this is the last time we're gonna talk about Patrick Chayton the whole way through, isn't it? Will?
1: No, we get, uh, he, he's in the feature match in the, uh, oh, okay. round five.
0: Okay, that's true. Um, yeah, yeah okay. Well, this might be the, <laughs> this is next to the last time we're gonna talk about it. And then rookie of the year, Ray Perez, he starts out 3-0. So good start for Ray Perez. Uh, he's a big fan of ours, or he's a member, basically, of our, uh, sponsor, uh, our sponsor's website at Brainstorm Brewery. So, you know, good up to him. Um and just we made first picks last week and our first picks, well, coming out of the draft, Stanislav Sivka two oh and one, Yukiichikawa three oh. So we're deadlocked right now for the most part. You know, it's very close. But we let's
1: see the first picks pulling their weight.
0: Yeah, they definitely pulled their weight, you know, and that was uh pretty awesome. So Following the draft, we have an organized play announcement that I think we probably should go over real quick um, before we get into the modern rounds. I love that they put these little breaks right in the middle of the show. So, here's the deal. The 25, the year <laughs> 25, <laughs> the year 2015 World Championship is not going to be like it has been in past years. Uh they've made adjustments. Um, Japan is now considered part of the Asia Pacific geo region. So Japan does not get their own, like, three
1: people. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. The, the Asian community is really getting huge and, and the quality of player over there is, is not as different between Japan and the other nations anymore. So they just need to become yeah. a continent. I mean, back in the day, like, Japan, the difference between
0: Japan, Korea, and Hong Kong was like dramatic. Yeah. Now it's, it's not. Yeah. So that, that, that seemed perfectly fair to me. Um, now there you know the slots are as follows we have the 2014 world champion we have the 2014 15 player of the year we have the captain of the 2014 world magic cup winning team this is the last year that person will earn this slot uh we have the magic online champion we have pro tour cons pro tour fate or forge pro tour dragons of Tarkir, pro tour vancouver in 2015 uh top End points in north america four slots available Top point, top pro points in Europe, three slots available. Top pro points in the Asia Pacific region, three slots available. Top pro points Latin America, two slots. Top pro points 2014, 15, premier play grand prix season.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool to the best grinder.
0: Yeah, the grinder's gonna get in now. You know, the guy who just shows up at every GP, they uncapped the points by the way. So, like, this could be a spot that you're, we could see pros who are just, who can't get any more uh, PT points on the GPs unless they win, still showing up because there's now a shot to get mm-hmm. to this world championship, and that is always cool. Uh, and then there's an at-large, which any remaining slots in the 24-person world championship will be awarded to the top pro point finisher of that season who didn't already have an invitation to the event. In the event a player qualifies for the world championship through multiple slots listed above, those additional invitations will instead become additional at-large slots uh passed down to the world championship. Okay, so what has changed? Okay, the twenty fifteen World Championship uh will no longer have that, blah, 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 like I said. Uh North America now invites its top four pro point earners. It used to be the previous two. Um, that's good because Canada has gotten so much better. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they they kind of deserve that. Uh, Europe now invites three and they previously had two. Um, Asia Pacific now invites three. It was previously two, but Japan had two. So instead of them getting four now, they're really getting three. Um, a new slot got uh given away to the highest pro points at the Grand Prix, and the invitation to the Rookie of the Year has now been removed. They're going to give the Rookie of the Year from now on automatic gold status. So they get to go to every Pro Tour the following season. That's sweet. I that's think that's sweet. a really good idea. Yeah, they're not completely dicking them, but it's it's very, very fair. Uh Now, the Magic World Cup Championship. This is now going to be played at PAX Prime, or the Magic World Championship, not the Cup, I'm sorry. That is going to be at PAX Prime, August 27th through the 30th, where the Magic World Cup is going to be in December. So they split them up now. It's now two large events. Kind of cool. I mean, like, I I like getting more large
1: events. I also like having Magic events. I think they're pretty great.
0: (laughs) I will say from a podcaster standpoint and from somebody who covers all these tournaments – Covering Worlds Weekend was hell when it was
1: both of them together. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, like, dude, I love, uh, Worlds Team Championships and I love World Championships. I think they're like two of the coolest tournaments a year. To have them on separate weeks and in separate places is going to be just all that much better. Yeah. It and, allow you to focus more on the individuals.
0: Right. And having the World Championship basically in the home of Wizards now, it's going to be at PAX Prime every year. And that puts it in the hometown of Seattle.
1: PAX Prime is a big event, too. It
0: is. It's huge. I mean, if you play any games, you want to be at PAX Prime, and, you yeah. know, hey, a free trip to PAX Prime. Um, so that that's really cool. Um, I like the changes. I'm not going to argue with them. Good ups on them yet again. Now, Will, how did the modern routes break down in day one?
1: What, like all of them at once <laughs> no. <laughs> no no go round by round but oh tell yeah me how yeah they for happened. sure for sure um so i joined round 4 a little late i apologize but uh the feature match uh among the feature matches was mr seth mansfield running just a straight red white burn deck versus shahar shenhar uh on a pretty ambitious uh, three to four color bump in the night burn deck uh Ooh. <laughs> so, games 1 and 2, they split, and in games 3, uh, Shahar Shenhar is stuck on 2 mana, which is, I mean, not terribly bad, uh, for the burn deck, but it, it is not great whenever he has taken 6 damage to put those those 2 lands in. And he is facing down several small red creatures, uh, just behind the eight ball and Mansfield's able to close the match out in three games.
0: Just Goblin Guide and Monastery Swift speared him to death then, huh? Uh,
1: Goblin Guide, Monastery Swift spear and like, uh, I there was, there was a trading of Boros, or not Boros, but Lightning Helixes where there, there was a chance for Shahar to stabilize by Lightning Helixing and gaining some life, but then, uh, immediately was just Helix back and finished off with Burn Spells and Swift Spear Triggers. Sweet uh however uh looking in uh at the match between Owen Turtenwald and Ben Stark uh Owen Turtenwald and a lot of the Channel Fireball guys were on uh poison yeah that's a bummer for you man Ugh, two, i hate your seeing guys those two together four. I was like no <laughs> um but yeah i guess uh tom ross got a lot of the people in uh the Channel Fireball pantheon on the poison deck and you know we you, you saw him in the future rounds a lot throughout the uh, throughout the day and the weekend so uh pretty sweet list and Ben Stark played Scape because Ben Stark plays Scape Shift in Modern. Yeah. Um, so we joined them in Game 2... And, uh, Owen Turtonwald has cast a, um, ah, the card where you look at your opponent's hand. Cataxian Probe. Probe, thank you. And <laughs> sees that Ben has three cryptic commands. Yes, which, he does. Which is not good, because Ben has three blue mana and then a fourth land in play also. Uh-huh. So, like, the, the pain is about to start. And, like, that gives Ben enough time to find the escape shift and get enough lands in play for it to be lethal. Uh, so Owen knows he has to do something, um... There is one cryptic that goes off and taps down the team, and then on the second turn... Right, ben, he used uh, Might of Old Kroja, and Ben... Yeah, in main phase.
0: Yeah, and Ben obliged him, you know, because Owen was trying to fish out the cryptic,
1: basically. Right, yeah, so it was a tap and draw, and then Ben passed on his turn, and the following turn on upkeep uh, attempted to tap the team and bounce Owen Turtonwald's Ink Moth Nexus. Uh So... Of course, Owen, being the savvy dude that he is, uh, is able to, um, activate the Ink Moth ne- Nexus and Vines of Vastwood it to then um, counter the both sides of the uh, cryptic command because the the bounce trigger is not or the bounce effect is not able to happen it, it nullifies the entire spell and because of an early become immense hit from a glistener elf uh, Ben is sitting on nine poison and this is just a lethal move which is able to give Owen Turnwald the victory to zero
0: right right um, so yeah it Gabe what he would, by because I actually have notes on this round for some reason uh, okay. the become immense uh, wins it in game one because he does fish out those things and then, uh, he eventually gets down a wild defiance. And that is basically, bye. Oh well,
1: yeah, that's, that's good.
0: <laughs> wild defiance when you're playing poison. If anything resolves, yeah. It's just absurd. But um.
1: Wild Defiance was just a really good call in that deck for the week. Uh, with the amount of lightning bolts that were played, I think that it was the perfect metagame call. I
0: agree. I agree. So we had round five, and that was
1: who? We have, uh in our feature-feature match, we have uh, last week's Grand Prix winner, uh, Paul Chion. One of last week's Grand Prix winners. I mean, he, you know, he did the heavy lifting. <laughs> Come on, he's on a team with LSV and Eric Froelich? You know. Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> carrying those two bumps. I'm surprised right? his back's okay <laughs> <laughs> Broad shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's on a pretty conventional Abzan list, uh the, the one with Liliana's and uh, heavier black Linger missiles. Mm-hmm. Uh and then Stanislav Sivka went pretty deep and found a uh, Black White Tukins list.
0: Very similar to the uh the deck that they sold.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it's like it's it's amazing how many similarities he had from the standard list from the uh Shadowmore Lore one series.
0: Yeah, That's, I'm talking about the uh modern event deck they put out earlier this year. It was very close to card for card. Really? Yeah, yeah, I
1: mean, it's kind of funny. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I I thought it actually looked pretty good on camera. Uh, uh-huh. he, uh, so Stanislav Sivka gets the dream, turn two Bitter Blossom, which is just the way you want to start out every game, and then he follows that with a turn three Intangible Virtue. Uh, Paul Chion at this point in time has deployed a Lingering Souls and has a Gavinny Township in his row of lands. Which is it's pretty good because uh Sivka is able to fill the air up with tokens. Uh he also makes a Sorin, the the new one that makes also a uh two two vampire. Solemn visitor. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um Turns play out, Xion flashes back his Intangible Virtue and uh, threatens to start putting counters on his uh, tokens as well to, to be able to fight the Intangible Virtue because, you know, the plus one, plus one, and the Vigilance is really what uh, pushes that card over the top to just allow him to uh, be offense and defense simultaneously. Uh-huh. Um, so Sivka decides he's gonna start rolling up Sorin and, uh, just gains like a, a really large amount of life, was in the high 20s, maybe even the 30s at that point, at some points in the game. All the while continuing to make fairy tokens every turn, and also has a Vault of the Archangel in play, so even though the Gavinie Township is able to grow the Lingering Souls up to like 4-4, uh, is what the last one died at, Sivka is still able to clear them all out with, uh, with just the, the tokens, the fairy tokens. Uh, at this point in time, Sivka's actually behind on creatures, so he casts his main deck timely reinforcements. Nice. Uh, makes a couple dudes, uh, gets another fairy token, and is just able to push through enough damage in the air, uh, to, uh, get lethal damage. Uh, pretty grindy affair, um, but, uh, I think Paul Chion was a little bit land flooded in the game. Okay. And, uh, just really wasn't able to, to do as much in the late game as he wanted.
0: Um, off of the reinforcements, just a quick question. Do you
1: remember if he gained life or not? He did not gain life. Okay. His, so he I, was ahead on life. Right. Yeah. His life was in the 20s at this point in time. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. But like, I think timely reinforcements on the weekend is a great metagame call with the amount of burn decks that were out there, having access to that in the main deck, I think was a pretty good idea.
0: Yeah, I mean either you're gonna you know run into I mean, I doubt in the token deck he was expecting to get three creatures very often, but I'm sure he was expecting to, you know, gain six life against all his burn
1: decks. Well, I mean the way his deck Sets up, I actually think that it's pretty good, like, you know, let's say you're playing against an Abzan deck. You know, they're gonna play a guy on turns one, two, and three, so you're gonna play like a Bitter Blossom on turn two, so you're only gonna have one guy in play on turn three. Uh, theoretically, this is gonna get you right back into the game, gain you the life back that the Tarmogoyf has dealt early in the da- uh, the early Tarmogoyf damage, and then, mm-hmm. uh, is able to get board parity back. Fair enough. No, I, I can see
0: that. I, I mean, I'm just saying in general, you know, cause you draw this like turn oh, six or right. seven, you're not expecting to see three creatures as often as you expect yeah, to gain a sixth life
1: for sure i mean when you're putting in like he has access to his own lingering souls bitter blossom and spectral procession so like he he goes extremely wide yeah and he was running one of my favorite cards from
0: Lorwyn if i remember correctly mm-hmm. the land <laughs>
1: Shh. I have, oh, there's, we we have plenty to talk about. Okay, about well, let's
0: let's move on to certain land.
1: <laughs> Alright, well, uh, we go into game two, and, uh, th- this was, uh, at this point in time, this was just the picture-in-picture game. So, uh, what I was able to see is that Sivka has three intangible virtues and no bitter blossom. Uh, the only creature he has in play is a 2-2 vampire token that is the only remnant left to know that we had a sword and Solemn Visitor in play. Uh, Palcheon has Tassiger and Batterskull. Ouch. (laughs) So, like, yeah, it doesn't take too long to figure out what's going to happen here. And, uh, we get to see a game three, which is a pretty spicy one. Um, You can't see it, but when
0: I said yay, I did my Kermit dance. Oh, really? (laughs) Yay!
1: So, um... Paul Chion begins the game with early creatures and is able to give Sivka the ability to make a timely reinforcements on turn three to get dudes and life. Sweet, that's what um, you want that card for. Yeah, turn four he is able, Sivka is able to attack with his three uh, soldier tokens, and although he loses one, he is able to use his Windbrisk Heights. Uh, Yay! (laughs) To play a to play a lingering souls.
0: So what Windbrisk is is if if you attack you put it in the play. tapped, You put the top card from your library underneath it. Correct. Uh,
1: uh, It's it's Hideaway. You look at the top four cards of your library. Pick one. Yeah, pick one. There there was a series, one for each of the colors. Yeah.
0: You put it underneath that, and if you ever attack with three creatures. You may play the card underneath it for free.
1: For uh, it's like one white and tap it. It's like a two yeah. mana total cost, but you don't pay the mana cost of the card under there. Oh my god! You can put Emrakul under there and cast it. Yeah, and time walk trigger. Yeah, you can get so many things under. I
0: used to play black white tokens back in the day, and the best thing you could sit under was like another spectral procession, yeah. or in a Johnny Goldmane.
1: Oh man. Because yeah. you'd
0: flip that over and just, it was never good.
1: <laughs> so, uh, Sifka had, I mean, he didn't get three tokens, he only got two, um, but then he was able to play a second Windbrisk Kites after combat, uh, which was pretty sweet. Ooh, I mean, true. Uh, so, Pulchion plays a Siege Rhino, too, I mean, because Siege is the best dude in modern, he's bannable and shit. He's good. But, he is uh, the reason junk showed up so much more than junk. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's, he's a very good dude. And I'm not trying to underplay his quality, but, uh, this, in this case, the six point life swing was not enough because Stanislav Sivka with Uh, five guys in play at this point in time, plays intangible virtue and then attacks, activates Windbrisk height before damage to put another intangible virtue into play. (laughs) (laughs) When all of your your flying dorks are threes and your opponent has two blockers, he will die. Yeah. You remember Elspeth in standard when you went ultimate? That's what he just did. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, very swingy turn. And And he does all this with four lands in play. So, you know, Really, really good stuff. Sweet. Uh, yeah, Stanislav Sivka takes it down 2-1 over Paul Chion.
2: Yay!
1: Um, so we do get to talk about Patrick Chapin this round. We do. Uh, he was in the future match uh, going, oh, uh, he lost his first round with his uh, Esper uh, Delver, Delve list. Um, <laughs> Let's just call so, it
0: what it is, his bad list.
1: So he uh he got pretty he went pretty deep and he you know he said, Well Tasker is just extremely good and there's this you know ability in Esper to just dump cards into your graveyard, so I'm gonna play uh Gurmag Angler too. Which, you know, theoretically may have been a really good option, but uh when they peeked in in game two he had lost a quick game one to Matt Sperling's affinity deck and game two was locked out under arrest in peace. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, after a 3-0 in draft, Patrick Chapin did not win another round in the tournament.
0: Nope, uh, he finished with nine, uh, points, and that is the 3-0 from the
1: draft. Tell you what though, that guy can draft though. Yeah, he can I'm draft. Sure he went 6-0 at the last, or at, uh, the, the last Pro Tour. yeah he did. yeah. So, I mean, it just, uh, it's, it's a shame because,
0: you know, he's been on, he's been runner, 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 like he's been, the last few tournaments, I mean, from Worlds to, you know, the Pro Tour before that. Just,
1: he's playing extremely high-level Magic right now. Yeah, I mean, he was he's just really kicking
0: ass, and to have him basically come into this tournament flop, I mean, that's really the best. Well, game. you know,
1: I mean, he's a builder, and he he just thought he had something that didn't work, you know. I mean, if maybe if the format was different, or if he had better luck with his deck, or didn't run into sideboard cards, then, you know, he could have done something with it, I don't know. Maybe, I mean... Yeah. Who knows? It's I mean, such took a small shot. sample
0: size, you know? Yeah, he took a shot on a deck and it didn't pan out, mm-hmm. which, you know, happens to a lot of people. Yep, for sure. Um, just not usually him, unfortunately. I, I feel
1: bad. Because, like I said, he was on a run. So what happens in round six? Oh, round six, we had a really, really sweet feature-future match, as, I mean, as far as the players involved. Uh, kind of an, uh, an old guard, uh, versus new guard in, in Japanese Magic. We had, uh, Shuhei, fucking Nakamura. the Ooh, man. man. Shuhei's sure. back in the, in the feature seat. I, yeah. I, Oh, man, I love, dude, I love, I'm such a fanboy for Shuhei. I know, you just love his shoes. I hope he, I was just going to say, I hope he was wearing his blue suede shoes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but he's uh, rocking Jeskai Control, which uh, not a lot of people showed up with. Um, It doesn't shock me out of him, though. Yeah, it's definitely his wheelhouse, for sure. I mean, he's like, really, he just wants to be playing Psychotog. Yeah. So, um, but he's facing off against Kentaro Yamamoto, who is on an Abzan list, a pretty standard Abzan list, um, Unfortunately, the, this is the second round where Shuhei just did not do well under the lights of the feature match area. Uh, Yamamoto starts off playing early green dudes, uh, accelerating into lingering souls to apply pressure while Shuhei is unable to find his land drops after it's either, he either gets pinched on, uh, two or three land. Ouch. And, uh, unmolested, Yamamoto resolves a Tossager and man, that's that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's game one. Uh, and in game two, Yamamoto just has all the, all the, all the fun stuff. So he plays, uh, a turn two voice of resurgence. And... Ugh, um, Jessica I
0: Control does not like looking at voice of resurgence.
1: No. No, he really doesn't. Uh, and then unfortunately he also has both, um, Thoughtseize and Inquisition of Kozilek in hand. Ooh. Which is just not great. Also has a tectonic edge uh, to take away Shuhei's fourth land, Ooh. and then plays a Tarmogoyf. So on turn four, he has lingering souls tokens, uh noble hire or, or uh, a uh, voice of resurgence, and Tarmogoyf, and a big Tarmogoyf because he got land in there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Shuhei just, I mean, I just really couldn't get anything going this round. Just you know, wasn't able to find the cards he needed, the, the mana, and the t- and the time. So, uh, two zero to Yamamoto. Sad Angela. Sad yeah. I mean, I'm not, like, don't get me wrong. I'm sad that Shuhei lost, but I'm also pumped that Yamamoto won, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree. So we get to look in, uh, in a game three match between Ken Yukihiro, also playing Abzan, mm-hmm. and Andrew Cuneo, who just has to be playing some kind of grindy control deck, right? You would think. Nah, he's, he's on infect cause Tom Ross is a very persuasive dude.
0: Well, to be fair, Tom Ross has been putting in more Modern play than a lot of the pros on that
1: team. I mean, to and, be the Infect deck is sweet. Yeah, and he has been winning a lot of events with that Infect deck. So. Yeah, in every yeah. Eternal format, Modern and, uh, and Legacy both.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, I, I can understand why they said yeah we're gonna listen to him. He's also the one who came
1: up with the plan of let's draft rares and <laughs> I mean I, like I think the infect deck is really, really good. It's definitely something I'm gonna look at going forward. I feel you. yeah uh, but, yeah but so um uh, we we joined in around turn four or five in the game, and much to cuneo's dismay. Um, Yukihiro has guys on the board, some spectral procession token, or not, I'm sorry, lingering souls tokens, and also does not have any poison counters on himself, which is just not where you want to be. Um, but it starts to look good when Kunio, uh, is able to resolve a blighted agent and, uh, has enough, enough pump in his hand to one shot. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, in addition to flashing back lingering souls and continuing to chump lock over and over again, Yukihiro, uh, is able to just draw the abrupt decay, uh, on the turn that, uh, the blighted engine would kill him. So, mm-hmm. unfortunately, Andrew Cuneo drops that one in three games.
0: Yeah, I watched that one play out. I felt kind of bad. But, you know, again, to defend the Infect Deck, um, now that Pod's gone, Malira's gone, which also, which should, theoretically say, hey, the deck is better now because there's no Malira. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so yeah, I, you don't just have, like, this 25% of the field auto winning you. Right, right. So, you know, I, no, I, I truly do understand the, the logic that they put behind
1: well, I think it's, deck. I think it's a great choice. I mean, I'm not trying to downplay it. I just, you know, like, when you have guys like Andrew Cuneo playing an all-in aggro combo list, you know that the team thinks very strongly of it. Yeah, 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 because that's not a Cunio type deck. No, not at all. I mean, he's, you know, he was the first person to invent CMU Blue. You know, I mean, he, he and Randy Bueller were some of the best control mages in early magic, so.
0: Yeah, he, did. Cuneo loves him amount, or loves him an island. Um, yep. Pretty much since island was printed, he, he's liked him an island. So, it it is weird, but I mean, hey, there is some islands in that deck.
1: Yeah, I mean it you know it definitely does have a, a counterspell idea to it It's the aggro control list of the format and that's what it has to look like because it has to be able to win on turn 3 or, or, or 4 otherwise it's just not relevant in the format.
0: Yeah, it is. Um so what happened in the following rounds?
1: Uh So round 7, uh, we have Shi Tian on uh he's also on a burn list. I'm going to call it Naya because he obviously has the lightning helixes, but he touches into green for Destructive Revelry out of the sideboard. Right. Um which is just a just a really really good place to be. Uh he's 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 facing off against Makihito Mihara on a really sweet Grixis uh, Splinter Twin list. He called it Humble Twin because uh, Ah, he was packing packing Humble Defector. Uh, Turns out, in a grindy matchup, Humble Defector with a Splinter Twin Haunted is going to win you the game. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's an extra creature to add to the mix of I can win the game combo out.
1: I mean, it's not so much a combo out, it's just a value card. You know, you just give, you, you just draw two cards every turn, give them a tap token, and then like, <laughs> they, I mean, what are they gonna do? That's damn near a combo out. I mean, yeah. I'm taking two cards, you're getting,
0: you know, that same tappy?
1: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it's real, and plus he just has, like, it, it gives him a much more, uh, real chance of just doing the lightning bolt plan. Um, right. So, uh, Lishi Tian plays burn spells. It's he true. Does. He, uh, attacks, uh, with little dudes early, but Makihiro Mihara has these two spell skites that come into play. And clog up the board pretty well. They shut down the um, Monastery Swift Spear that's been pecking away at his life total in the early games.
0: And so, you know what? They really eat lightning bolts well.
1: Yeah, no, we think everything's looking really great from Ahara here, because he has, like, five blue sources in play, uh, two Spellskites, and uh, a Humble Defector that's actually just attacking for two every turn. Um, and he gets Li Shi uh, Tian down into single digits, um, and then also plays a Kiki Jiki. Oh my! So that now we got some some humble action going on. That's <laughs> um, scary. So yeah, we, I mean, he's just threatening to get so far ahead in the game that uh, Li Shi Tian is just not going to be relevant anymore. But unfortunately, wow. <laughs> he's going to empty the relevance out of a person, not just his deck, a person, right, just the whole dude. <laughs> um, but uh Lee Shitan is able to time things very correctly and force Mihara to pay life to activate Spellskites and sequences his plays properly so that the final two cards in his hand are a... Um, t- uh, my handwriting is terrible. <laughs> a Skullcrack and a Lava Spike to finish him out because they cannot re- be redirected to a Spellskite. Spellskite ain't no player. Nope. Bummer. So, uh, yeah, so he, I mean, I I almost felt like that was a steal in game one. Uh, you know, I don't know, maybe Mihara got a little too confident. I don't know what his hand was, but, uh, you know, I just, he was, Li Shitan sequenced his place perfectly and was able to save the cards or the cards that cannot be redirected for the turn that Mihara had open mana. Unbelievable. Um, Game two, uh, we see Nihara try to go for a turn four combo. Um, he's under a lot of pressure from early creatures and burn spells, uh, Monastery Swift Spears, and Goblin Guides, and plays a turn three Deceiver Xark and goes to turn four, um, Splinter Twin it up. However, Ooh. this card, this Green Splash, Lee Shi Tian, judges, he just, just plays this Destructive Revelry, Breaks up the combo and, and him for two to also deals two damage to his face, which enables him to clean up the game on a turn uh, uh, and win the match
0: 2-0. Mm. Uh, Lee has been on a roll. Um, yeah.
1: Um, a little bit know, later that,
0: in the tournament, uh,
1: I think we're going to have a good conversation about him. Yeah, he's playing out of his mind right now. He he actually picked up a couple early losses though. He's like X2 at this point in time already. So he just, you know, he really needs to keep playing at a high level for sure. Right, right. Uh we also got to look in at the end of a Seth Mer- Mansfield on Burn again versus Marco Lombardi, the Italian player on the this Italian merfolk list that actually had a really good win percentage on the weekend. Oh, sweet. Um, and we we see a very similar situation where Lombardi has a spellskite and a mass or a Lord of Atlantis and is attacking for damage, trying to race out uh, while at a precariously low life total of eight. And unfortunately, Mansfield has two Boros charms in hand. That's eight damage. That is eight damage. Um, <laughs> Actually, the, uh, on the turn before, again, Mansfield, uh, lightning bolted the face to get a redirect to the spellskite to go from 10 to 8 and have the Xaxis with Boros Burn, so. So smooth. Yeah, yeah, uh, while well, the, the spellskite is a very incredible card uh, dealing with about half of what burn has to offer between the creatures and the lightning bolt effects. Yeah. The quote unquote suboptimal cards like Lava Spike who can only go to the face are actually the answer to Spellskite. So, yeah, that and
0: truth be told, you can play so many cards in a turn that the Spellskite will just end up killing itself. So it's like, it, yeah. it'll eat the first lightning bolt, and then the second one it's like, well, do I let my Spellskite die, or do I take three to the face?
1: Yeah, and, and like, if you're trying to develop your board, you're just trading two life for three a lot of the time, so but I, mean, I do think it, it does a lot of work, especially in game one, it's a great card to have in, in, your, in your list. Yeah,
0: they're not ready for it, usually in game one. They don't have the destructive of revelries they don't have the you know the wear and tears in They're not it's not as honed down in usually in game one so no i can agree with that that's a fine
1: choice for game one uh yeah so moving on to round eight we have Who? the the man dude frank Karsten, like a, walking, a walking data computation device my is. favorite magic player of all time yeah and he's still in this he, uh, he's running a deck that I, I know you have liked a lot through the years. <laughs> he's got robots. He's, he uh, he's on the affinity list. He doesn't need cards
0: is what he said during one of the,
1: how many cards you have in hand? None? I don't, I don't need, need cards. <laughs> so, in like, talking about Frank Carson on the affinity list, he is, uh, one of the most aggressive players with it possible. He, uh, rarely will let his Ravager sit around to attack. Usually he plays Ravager and sacrifices everything and goes all in immediately on that card.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, uh, Karsten obviously is able to deploy early threats. Uh, starts off game one with an early signal pest and Mab draw while trying to. Oh, sorry, he's playing against Osman Ozguni, who okay. is Os- a, a he's a Magic Online grinder. He's a really well-respected Magic Online player.
0: Yeah, from uh, Turkey, he is like the one of the top players in the world on Magic Online. Uh, but he,
1: I believe, he came into this tournament with exactly zero pro points. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, he lives in a place where there's not a whole lot of magic. You know, Turkey is not really huge in magic right now. Yeah, but, you know, I, I believe he got his invite through a Magic Online
0: uh, mm. PTQ. And anybody who sat down and played a Magic Online PTQ, if you win one of these, you are immediately respected. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> amongst tough. the pros, because it's it's, just, it's so hard. There's it's so tough. many rounds.
1: I mean, 13 rounds and all that shit well, is
0: crazy. It's not like that anymore because of the PPTQs. But, like, on Thursday, you'll play in a PPTQ, and those ones aren't aren't as hard to win right? because there is some chaff in there. But when you actually make it to the PTQ, the 256 players or whatever that's in that thing, oh, Solid. my God, they're yeah. all top-tier players,
1: like awesome.
0: ratings of, like, 1,800 minimum, you know?
1: <laughs> it's scary. Um, so Osguni is playing fairies. Um, no bitter blossom, just fairies. Uh so Carson's able to get down underneath uh the counter magic and you know gets his Memnite and his signal pest going. Uh tries to resolve a master of Ethereum, uh, but that is met with a mana league. So uh he continues to pressure life total um for another turn and then on the following turn, Osguni tries to upkeep a mistbind click. Uh, unfortunately, the only...
0: Mistbind, not vidillian.
1: Yeah, Mistbind Click, the, the, the champion guy who, yeah, like, yeah. mana He'll shorts them. Yeah, Yeah. Um, but the only fairy that he has in play is a Mutavault that he has activated. Uh, unfor- unfortunately for him, Karsten has his one of Galvanic Blast, killing the Mutavault and also forcing the Mistbind to sacrifice itself, Which was very awkward because the other card in Ozguni's hand was a Mistbind Click. Oh, that's Mm. not a good place to be. Yeah. I can
0: remember that from back in the days of Fairy Standard where it was like...
1: Oh, no. Getting your click
0: of, to resolve, like, you had to have, like, a couple
1: yeah. things on
0: the board before you even tried.
1: Right. Like, you have to, you know, because the champion, if they kill something, you can retarget, but you have to have, you know, you got to have a couple things. And he's just under too much pressure, and his, you know, his draw is a little bit slow and clunky. And uh, I bet he was wishing he had them bitter blossoms for that game. <sighs> for sure. Um, <laughs> that helps. So now that Karsten has all of his mana available, he drops a Rav- Ravager, goes all in, and kills Osguni yes
0: Sorry. <laughs> look, <laughs> hey, cool. i look hey you know Osgoony it's cool. I love the way he got there and everything. But uh, like I said, Frank Carson's is literally my favorite magic player of all time. And I'm always rooting for him if he's in a game. That's awesome. I mean, the dude, when I first came back to magic, I jumped on his decks and that's how I got back into competitive play to where I was actually winning.
1: He plays fun decks too. He does. Like, he, he, like, does. he doesn't, I mean, he showed up for an extended tournament with a, with a Highlander deck one time. Like, right. It's so fun. Yeah. Um. So we looked away into another match that I did not get notes on. I'm sorry. And then we rejoined game two uh, where Carsten has a board with a bunch of dice on it <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. there are there are multiple uh Nexi. i believe there were at least two blink moth Nexus and maybe an Ink moth Ooh. uh There was a master of ethereum, a signal pest, and a steel overseer putting tokens on things yeah, and it's hard uh, to win
0: from there
1: i didn 't see a damnation on the next turn, so <laughs> <laughs> those exist, <laughs>
0: yeah. That
1: was it for uh for Mister Uh Frank Carson takes that down to zero, and uh, that end takes us to the end of day one. Okay, so day one ends.
0: Um We saw some good standard. We saw some very interesting, or not modern.
1: Standard. We saw yeah. some very. I saw affinity, you know, and I really, really, interesting modern. Like modern. really enjoyed the newer modern. You know, like having a quote new modern format to have some fresh decks, and and really the format was a lot different than a lot of people would have picked it to be. And
0: yeah, I know at the beginning of the tournament, Andy Bueller first words out of his mouth. Is there's no way we're going to see 10% of any deck show up in this format. Will will you tell me if he was correct or not? Okay, I will I will tell you that
1: yes he was correct and and no he was not correct. Okay, um, he was not correct in my eyes. Well, okay, but here's the thing though. Um they lump all of the Abzan decks into one category. Not and- true. Yeah, they they do.
0: No, they didn't have. If you got to look way down on the, eh, you know what? This is a separate list than what I originally saw because they had. No, they do. Doran they put in its own list for some
1: reason. Okay, great. So <laughs> So there's one deck outside of the all right. Abzan. But here's <laughs> the deal. The Abzan decks have a lot of different ways to build them. There's some that are extremely grindy, built around like massive hand control through Thoughtseize, Inquisition and Liliana. Then there were there were others like Jacob Wilson's list, which was almost entirely green white, yeah. adding Siege Rhinos. He's playing like Wiltleaf Leech and Locks on Smiter. So to call those the same list. Is a bit misleading, I think. I think that if they were to be more precise and break it down into varying Abzan lists, cause there were, there were about two three and a half, different. two and a half different, you know, yeah, two to three different Abzan archetypes, I felt. But if you were playing, um, both godless shrines and, uh, overgrown tombs, you made up 28% of the field. 28.3% of the field.
0: 115.
1: Yeah. And like, and again, I think the number a little misleading because there are a lot of, strategies within this, but, like, a lot of them share Lingering Souls and Siege Rhinos. So, but, like, the difference between a Gavney Township list with all the mana dorks and a list with, like, Treetop Village, no Gaviny Townships, I, you know, like, with all the discard spells, you know, but they all they all have Tarmogoyfs and all that stuff. So. They
0: all have Tarmogoyfs, they all have uh, the Siege Rhinos, it's really the the other bit players that really determine what the deck is. Yeah,
1: but I mean, like, the decks can be 30 cards different. Yeah, they really can you know? be. So, I'm not
0: going to argue that yeah. one bit, I mean, they,
1: Yeah, but uh, lots and lots of abs in. So, like, for your, for your modern gauntlet, man, be prepared for Sea rhinos.: Yes. Uh, <laughs> the second most represented deck uh, was kind of a shocker to me. It was Burn. Um, see, that didn't shock me because any time we see a new format, one of the fallbacks is burn. Yeah, but, like, for 11.8% of the field to be on, quote, the fallback deck, I don't think it's actually a fallback deck. I think it's one of the best five decks in Modern right now. It is, but um, realistically, Pod repressed it a little bit with
0: things like that they could oh, get oh, whenever for they sure.
1: and I mean, I'll good think... thing there's no more kitchen finks running around. No, no one's playing green-white anymore, right? So, as I was saying before the little issue, um,
0: which is edited out and you people know nothing about. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> was that, you know, K Finks the ability for Birthing Pod to go get it at will, and Birthing Pod being so much of the metagame, it kind of stifled Burn's overall ability to win games, you know, yeah. in the old format. Now that Pod is gone and they don't have that ability, I mean, th- yeah, there's still K Fix running around,
1: but... Yeah, but I mean, they're not reliably starting a game at 28 life. Right,
0: exactly. So now, I mean, Burn has a legit shot, hey, I only have to deal that 17 now. Like, I, that's actually a hell of a lot easier than saying, oh, against the core quarter of the field, I
1: have to deal 28. Right, yeah. right. And, like, I mean, they they still, they have, because they're not seeing multiple K-Finks in every single game, like, the ability to play cards like crack can really get you through it. Right, absolutely. Um, So how did the uh, next six or seven
0: of them break down, Will?
1: So um, we have three lists that are pretty closely packed at about 7% apiece. Zoo is at six and a half, 6.4%, but we have... Uh Infect, Affinity, and Zoo, uh, kind of in this twenty mid-20s number of players uh, that are on them. And it's funny because the Infect, that's almost just Pantheon. <laughs> the yeah, big. I mean, there were, there were a couple other ones, but yeah, for sure, most of the, like, at least 15 of the Infect were, were Pantheon Fireball members. Uh-huh. A- and I think they just, I mean, I really, really think they had a sweet list. Uh, I thought it was very well thought out, and, you know, it's a great, it's a great kind of deck to be playing in a modern Pro Tour. Same thing, same thing goes for Affinity. Um, just having these incredibly explosive starts that can end the game before your opponent can get rolling, and Zoo, for the most part, has a similar strategy. Unfortunately, yeah. though, Zoo didn't, didn't fare too, too well this week.
0: Yeah, especially with these grindy, uh, Abzan decks that really are, you know, they're gonna play Thought Seas early, and they're gonna do some things like that, but a lot of these decks, they really get started turn three or four, which in modern is slow.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, they are, mid-game modern decks, which means they're turn four, as right. opposed to, like, a turn six standard mid-game deck. So the Affinity deck does prey
0: on those type of decks, where they're just like, look, we're just going to be quicker than them.
1: Yeah, yeah. You can like, win this turn three. <laughs> you know, when you're taking a bunch of damage from your lands to fetch into shock, then, you know, like, cranial plating is going to get there in a hurry. Right. Okay, so Zoo, you said did not have a good fairy gub. Uh, yeah.
0: We have, I want to go over at least the next five.
1: Yeah, I was going to go through, um, all the ones that had 2% or more. Okay, that's fair. Uh, so we have the red, green, Tron list with 19 players, 4.7%. A lot of that was the, um, Star City games team. They, they found that deck. Um, again, not, not a whole lot of success. Uh, we have blue Red twin uh, with sixteen players three point nine percent of the meta game, uh, and they actually were able to go pretty deep in the tournament
0: yeah uh, they they put up good results uh shocker I, I know that yeah. i that we said on this show that, you know,
1: Twin was going to be the good combo Twins,
0: deck for sure.
1: Twins, yeah, it's like it's the best combo deck, and it also protects itself from the, the decks that are faster than it. Right. Um, we have Scape Shift uh, with 12 players at 3, 3%, three 2.9. Mm-hmm. We have Jeskai Control with 11 players, 2.7%. Uh, that Junk. was Team MTG Mint, I believe, who brought a lot of those. Oh okay. Yeah. Um we had uh Jund with 10 players at 2.5%. Uh I know your boy Yuki was on Jund. He plays Jund. He he just does, man. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's uh. it's his wheelhouse. Like I expected him to come with Jund and he came with it and you know. Hey, got got the results I I, I expected too. Uh
1: we had uh 9 players on Storm and then we had eight players each on this Amulet Bloom deck, Grixis Twin, and uh Merfolk. Most of the Merfolk was coming from the Italian contingent, who figured out a really sweet list. Yeah, and the Amulet Bloom, most of them was from Sam Black's
0: team. Yeah,
1: uh, um, they worked real hard on that list. Well, uh, it's, it's kind of a regional list, uh,
0: Northeast U- U.S., you see a lot of it up here, and uh, they jumped on it. Uh, for you guys who are going to see, you know, how the Bloom deck did, because it did really well over the weekend, and you think you can just go buy these cards and play it, um, practice, practice, practice. This is a very
1: difficult deck to run. A, this is a mastery level deck. Um, <laughs> yeah. when, when Sam Black is not as good at running it as as the person who showed it to him, then you know the deck is tough, because Sam Black is, like, one of the smartest dudes ever.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, just, if you're gonna, all of a sudden, want to buy this deck, because I know there was a spike in price of Amulet over the weekend, and...
1: It's really cool. It's cool, but fuck,
0: is it hard to run? Like, you better... Oh, dude, you're gonna,
1: you're gonna lose every game. Like, it's so punishing on mistakes, and you have so many mistakes that you can make every turn. Yep, you gotta know how every other deck plays to
0: play that's correct that's so, I mean obviously very cool the one thing i don't like is like they, you know they lumped all the obs on together but they didn't lump all the twins together Right, so like if that's we not that, necessarily fair.
1: Yeah, yeah. So if we do that, we have Tarmo Twin with four. We have Grixis Twin with eight. So now we're up to like twenty eight different yeah. twin players. You know, and that's a good so, percentage of the field. Twenty eight would be six point nine percent. Right, you know. So I mean, like it's it's different, but uh, and then we had a, a bunch of lists that uh, people brought for fun.
0: Yeah, Martyr, Soul Sisters, Hexproof. You know, that's your five backpack. color Teamer Ascendancy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Dredge Vine. <laughs> you know, somebody decided to come with
1: it uh Oh, well, <laughs> there was one player with an Esper Delve list.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um so only one player was Salt Eye Dover. Uh, how'd he do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I believe he did not win a game. Oh, that was the, that was the, uh, that was the Esper Delph. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, so at the end of day one, we had legitimately, would you say 25 players who re- legitimately has a real shot at top eight, probably a couple more than that, but we know that these top 25 are going to do that. Yeah. I mean, if you're X1 or better coming in, even X2, you're in a really good spot. You're in good shape. Oh, so, cause, so here's how it broke down. We had two undefeateds at the end of day one. We had from the United States. Seth Mansfield at 8-0, finishing first. At the end of day one. At the end of day one also, uh Austin Bersavich. He finished Bersovich, I'm
1: sorry. Yeah, he's
0: also on the infect list. Right. He finishes eight and o, and he's from the United States. From Italy, we have Marco
1: Lombardi. He's on seven list. one. Yeah, just lost the one to uh that Luxac Man- mansfield with his double yeah. Boros charm.
0: And that was the uh Ferries? Er- Merfolk. Yeah. yeah,
1: the Italian Merfolk list put up really, really good numbers.
0: Yeah, it really did. Uh from France we had uh, Alexandre Bano. Uh he went seven and one from Italy, we had Roberto Esposito.
1: I'm um, guessing he was probably on Murphy too. Yeah, I, I can't confirm, but I would guess he was.
0: Yeah, um, and this one's great because, like, I wrote down what country all these people were from, and there was one of them that just had question marks. So from parts unknown, Stephen Murray, 7-1. He's Scottish. I know, but <laughs> from parts unknown, man. It was nothing but was, question there was marks a, on the side.
1: guy son. who got question marked as well.
0: Um, uh, seventh place, we have from the United States, uh, Hall of Famer G. Moshiewicz. Z. Um In eighth place from uh Denmark, we have Martin Muller. Yeah, the, he's also their national captain, I believe. Yes, he is. Uh, he, he was seven and one as well. From the Netherlands, number nine Hall of Famer Frank Horstens. Okay, he's pretty good. He was seven and one. Uh, Jesse Hampton from the United States is seven and one. The number eleven player in the world is in eleventh place. Mr. Eric Frolik at seven and one.
1: <laughs> yeah, that guy's playing really good magic.
0: Um, and in twelfth, from the United States, Matt Odecker, seven and one. Um, from Korea, we had Kim Sang un seven and one. From the USA, the number fifteen player in the world, Jacob Wilson at seven and one. From the Netherlands in fifteenth place, we had Hall of Famer Jelger Vigersma.
1: Who was king of the hill for most of the day.
0: Yes, who was six one and one. I mean so the difference between seven and one and six one and one is not much. <laughs> Not much.
1: Yeah, when you get to the end of a 16-round event, that's pretty minimal.
0: Yeah, uh, from Turkey uh, the, num, at number 16, we'll kind of alluded to it earlier. Osman Osguni.
1: Uh, yeah, that's pretty good representing Fairies as one of the few players in the field that had it. Right, and he was six and two. So this is the beginning
0: of the six and twos. Um, we had. Uh, Maj- Makaj Janik from Poland at six and two we had from uh the number 16 player in the world at eighteenth in Kentaro Yamamoto from Japan at six and two from Japan we had Yuki Ichikawa the eighteenth player in the world at nineteenth place at six and two uh, Marco Kamaluzi from Italy, six and two Joshua Ravitz, six and two from USA uh, at sushi Nakamura from Japan six and two. Park John Sun, 6-2 from Korea. John Finkel from the USA.
1: Who's that guy? He's
0: a Hall of Famer. <laughs> oh, yeah?
1: Yeah. Oof. So, I mean, we got some Hall of Famers on this. I don't know why I don't just pick fucking John Finkel for every PT. <laughs> <laughs>
0: fantasy. <laughs> uh, from Canada, to finish off the top 25, we had uh, Michael Vichaud. I'm going to fucking butcher this name. Vas Va Vasaky Vasilski. Oh. Six two. It looks Russian. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I but I love the parts unknown. Like I, I got to add my wrestling flair there. <laughs> <laughs> um Coming from parts unknown. <laughs> <my> <laughs> monster near you. <laughs> hailing from parts unknown. <laughs> so that's how day one broke down. We have these twenty five players who legitimately are like, Look, we have a real shot at finishing this some bitch in first place. Let's you know, make a run at the top eight. Let's really do this, and it's going to be really interesting to see exactly how that breaks down. We're going to take a small break for one of our sponsors, and we'll be back in a moment. Pit Podcast is brought to you this week and every week by brainstormbrewery.com. That's brainstormbrewery.com, the home of the financial side of Magic the Gathering. You can find the Pit Podcast there. You can find the Brainstorm Brewery Podcast there. You can also find plenty of good articles written by intelligent people about the financial side. Please go check it out. And we're back for day two. We've already seen how day one played out. Now we get to see how day two plays out. And we get to start watching drafts of a couple players that, you know, look, the newer, the people who've come to the game recently are going to really enjoy watching the one. Us old school people were really going to enjoy watching the other one. So it was a very good blend on who they put in here. Jelger Vigersma. Ooh. We get to watch him draft and we get to watch Eric Froelich draft. Um, Oh, my goodness. So, we'll start with Jelger Vigersma. Okay, he opens a Shuyun, the Silent Tempest. Now, let's see if he gets off of blue. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, dude, I would love to start every draft deck with Shuyun. I I can't argue. Um, Second pick, he gets past a Flame Rush Rider. The pros are not real big on the red, but this is one of the best red cards you can get. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he just copies friends. And when you have good friends, wow, does he get absurd. So third pick, he's like, I'm going to take the Water Cliffs. I
1: mean, I'm going in on on blue-red, clearly. I'm going to be at least that.
0: Yeah, I'm just going to take and and, in day one, he was the one who did the five-color. I'm going to take nothing but rares and lands. So it's beginning to look like, holy shit, he's doing it again until the fourth pick when he takes Cunning Strike over
1: a land. Yeah, that kinda of surprised me. I, I mean, I thought Cutting Strike was a fine card, but I, I wouldn't place it to be exceptionally high power.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't have took it there myself, and I really didn't expect him to take it there because of how he, well, he did day one with the five color deck. Right, I really expected him to take the Jungle Hollow that was in the deck, and when he didn't, I was like, hmm.
1: Well, it I mean, just, both of his both of his first two picks are pretty aggressive, and they put you they put you really well into one of the blue, you know, one of the three different blue red archetypes.
0: Fair, I mean, but I could also see him, you know, saying, "Hey, I'm going to take this Hero's Blade, you know, and I'll go five color." Yeah, yeah, I mean, like like
1: Shu Yun's also fine five
0: sure. Right, um, so he gets the cunning trick, then he goes pick five Lotus Path
1: Jin. He
0: fills out his uh his the rest of his picks on pack one with a bunch of blue and red cards. He has made the basic signal that hey, this is what I'm doing. Um so then he cracks his first pack of cons. And you know what? When you're in a blue red aggressive deck, what's better than a Mardu heart piercer? Uh, very little. Very little, yeah. So yeah. he takes that. Um, then he takes a feat of resistance over a treasure cruise, which really puzzled me because I'm like, you've taken no white cards. Why are you taking this card? Like, it really made no sense to
1: me. Yeah, you know, it, I mean, it's a premium card in the Jeskai decks. It is. But if he hasn't, you know, he hasn't declared himself to be a Jeskai deck yet. Right. Um, uh, yeah. so kind of awkward to me, but
0: then he goes, I'm going to take this blood fire expert. Um, and then he takes, then he gets a treasure cruise with a fourth pick. Okay, he got a cruise. Cool. And then fifth pick, a little bit of a reward. He gets a Winter
1: Flame. Uh, yeah, that's a sweet place to pick up a Winter Flame. Yes.
0: And then um, tenth pick, notably that Treasure Cruise came back to him. Ooh. I don't know Whoops. what it is with cards. Very good coming back to players this weekend, but it seemed to happen a lot. know yeah.
1: <laughs> So well, you know, I think the pro drafters in general really like to be um dedicated like they they want to be very careful and, and not speculate not pick three colors as, as much as maybe your friday night magic friends might
0: yeah they're they're a lot more uh honed in a lot more dedicated a lot more stick to the plan yeah um which you know hey that's fine um Third pack, he opens it up. He takes a crippling chill. Why not? Um,
1: not the best first pick.
0: Not the best first pick, but not a bad one either. I mean, he's yeah. already proven that hey, I have this aggressive deck. I'm going to be okay. Right. Then he gets a Jeskai Wind Scout.
1: That's what you want.
0: Um, that's a fine pick in the position he was in. Um, normally, would you want to take it second? Probably not. But when
1: you uh, I mean, I don't deck yeah yeah like it's exactly what his deck wants yeah it's what his
0: deck wanted i mean look if this was pack one and we were still in triple cons i'm not taking a wing scout second i'm looking at them more along the lines of like a fourth pick um but hey what his deck wanted this was perfect for it and then he gets rewarded by getting a the best prowess enabler in the format hordling outburst (laughs) like trigger prowess get three guys (laughs) there's really nothing better um and then his deck was missing one thing. I needed, he needed a top-end, uh, what the hell are you doing? Sorry. Okay. <laughs> he needed a top-end finisher, and he got past the Pearl Lake Agent.
1: Oh yeah, it has prowess. You think that guy can close out a game.
0: It has prowess. It, 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 yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, so he, he he takes the Pearl Lake Ancient. He moves on fifth pick. He takes a Monastery Flocked. Uh, you know, just because it was the only blue thing in the
1: pack, actually. Yeah, and it's fine. It morphs to be a little bit aggressive, and then it blocks very well in the, in the mid and late game. Right. So
0: nothing else really notable uh from his picks, but he's clearly a blue white or a blue red uh just beat down deck with a lot of prowess. I mean, he, he's going to do well. You, I mean. You, just looking at the deck, you can see that. Um, what do you think? You, did you like what I spouted off there?
1: Yeah. I thought that, you know, I mean, I really liked this archetype that he showed me, this blue-red, you know, skies, if you will. Yeah. I, I thought yeah. that was good. Okay, so Ifro,
0: he sits down and he goes, I'm going to take this Valor stance, pack one, pick one, fine card, can't argue it, why the hell not, right? Uh Second pick, he takes Reach of Shadows because it just says kill this thing. Third pick, he takes a wild call and says, hey, maybe green's open. Yeah, I've been
1: pretty impressed by Wild Call.
0: Wild Call's good.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so he goes, looks like green's open. I'm going to drop one of the other colors.
1: like at least as good as Soul Summons.
0: Right. Um. And so fourth pick, he takes a Carsey High Priest, and then he takes a Whisper of the Wood. Wow.
1: Oh, that guy's good, too.
0: Yeah, O2, um... Produces mana can produce a lot of mana in our-
1: Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like a lot of the ferocious decks, they don't just want one big creature. So if you're able to get like a like an early um like a four two bear or a gorse line or something like that, an alpine grizzly, mm-hmm. like your mana jumps from three to six the next turn. You know, it's pretty crazy.
0: Right. So after pack one, he it's be- beginning to look like he's abandoned white. He is black green, um, and then he opens a pine walker. Probably the best green uncommon and common. Yeah, i love Pine Walker. Yeah, who doesn't? Uh then he takes a Mardu Skull Hunter, not the best second pick, but you know what? He needed Just a curve.
1: Drop. Yeah. Just needs the curve. Yeah, and, like, you know, there's there's a lot more early aggression now. There is. With the, with the new format. Um and then he picks
0: up a third pick and fourth pick long shot squad.
1: Uh, that's my favorite common in cons, or the, my favorite green common in cons, so I think he's in good sh- good shape.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then he passes a long shot squad for a Bitter re- Revelation with the fifth deck, because three might be redundant.
1: Bitter Revelation's just a really good card, too. It is.
0: I mean, this type of deck wants one. Like, eh,
1: I mean, it's, if that was a blue card, man, but like, it's just, you know, you get to look at four cards and take two, the card selection is incredible.
0: It is. Uh, so then he moves on, um... And finishes off that pack, opens up his third pack, and he goes, hey, there's a salt task Scavenger.
1: Thump. <laughs> I need a finisher.
0: Done. Yeah, like, I, I'll take this 3-3 three, three del Flyer real quick. Um, yeah. Then he goes, I still kind of really need a finisher right now. My biggest finisher is Pine Walker. Hey, I got past the sagu Mauler.
1: Thump. Ooh, yeah, that was a good one. There was also an Abomination of Goo in that pack.
0: Yeah, um, yeah later on. Uh, he
1: then gets another
0: Pine Walker. So I mean that, that's I mean he's got two pine walkers and a Sagu mauler. Those are three pretty good uh morph cards,
1: yeah, to say the
0: least. Um, then he gets a four thick archer's parapet, and this deck, the, the green black deck, wants the zero fives.
1: Absolutely, it needs time.
0: Yeah, it wants to get to turn 4, 5, 6... Um, and, 9, 12, you know. Right, you know. and if it doesn't get a card like a parapet, Mardu can really run it over before it ever gets going. Um, So, that's what he needed, that's what he got, and then he takes a Dismal Backwater with his uh, next pick, because, hey, remember that Sagu Mauler that he... Uh, I want to cast that, yeah. ...wants to cast it, and yeah. Dismal Backwater works very well at doing such thing, and he did pass some really good green cards, but he knew he needed that Backwater. Um can't argue it. Uh, very good deck that he built as well. Uh, looks pretty streamlined. He eventually got a couple of the 2-8 Rotting Mastodons. I think that card's very good. So do I. It's, when you need to just hold the board, yep. Rotting Mastodon does not amazing Dude, job. you
1: cannot get through it. Like, it just shuts down all attacks from your aggro op- opponents.
0: It really does. So, then we're actually going to move into the draft rounds. Now, I want to apologize ahead of time. Um, I didn't get these on the day of, like I did the other notes. I got these on the videos on demand and for some reason the round 10 that they have marked is round 9 and there's no actual round 10 in their videos on demand so i missed round 10 i'm sorry
1: um things yeah, have happen- you got you got to go through and watch the the full day recap the uh the 10 hour one and, and get to it that way
0: yeah i didn't have the time to do
1: something yeah
0: so but in round nine we have uh, paul rietzel and he is on the uh blue white. And we have versus Li Shi Tian
1: Oh wow, his blue white list.
0: Yeah, sick. Uh versus Li Shi Tian who drafted him in the Abzan deck. Um Uh Tian moves to the uh discard phase uh, on turn three and does it again. Oh. And then picks up his cards, because if you're discarding twice while Rizzo is just building his board, uh, he, I mean, he kept the two land hander and never yeah, was it was like two
1: planes hander. and he, he was looking really hard for a, a forest to get his Ar- archer's parapet one. Mm-hmm.
0: Never got there and was like, I'm dead before anything else happens. This is terrible. Um so then game two starts, uh, Tion plays, Tion, I'm sorry, plays an early fire, um, then plays parapet to stall the ground. Okay, uh, Riesel flips a monastery flock, uh, so the, uh, the, uh, flyer, not really doing anything anymore. <laughs> uh, so then Riesel, uh, he plays an Ojita. Uh,
1: that's bad.
0: Uh, Ojita's good, he taps things and stuff, but- Yeah, I picked cool. him as my best first pick. <laughs> but luckily, Li Shi goes ahead and he plays Killshot Shot on it.
1: He also he he also had a really sweet play. He um, was able to dragon scale boon the thing that was tapped down by Ojutai. Yes, yes, I was just about to get to that actually. Okay, sorry.
0: Because he's sitting on a kill shot. Ritzel goes ahead and he casts Treasure Crew. His Ojata is still on the board. This is before the attack. Um, he targets, uh, he draws his three cards, and then he uh, goes ahead and attacks. His Ojata uh, triggers the Crew Shock to stop the Crew Shock from being able to attack the next turn. It was actually already tapped because Li Xitian attacked. He was like, look, if I could just stall that thing for two turns, Ojata's going to take over the game, right? right. Um, but Li Xitian plays Boon. To untap his creature, he's able to block Ritzel's other creature. And then he also has seven mana, so he is able to go ahead and freaking kill shot the Ojita. Things are looking great for him. But strangely, Ritzel has two of the bastards. <laughs> what? Who the fuck has an Ojata? I have no clue, but off of the treasure cruise, he drew the second Ojetai. Um And he promptly plays it, of course. Um after, and this is the kicker, like, you look at the board, Ritzel has one thing on the board now, and he's like, I'm going to play End Hostilities that I got off of my Treasure Cruise, and then the following turn, you know, after you play something small, I think it was the uh, Archer's Parapet, he's like, okay, you played a Parapet, isn't that cute, you know, after my End Hostilities, you got down your Parapet, how cute, this that, is so cool, I'm going to play Ojatai. And the, the look on Lee CTN's face was fucking priceless. He's just like, all right. I mean, if you're going to play End Hostilities, what are you followed up with but an Ojatai, a second one?
1: Dude, didn't I just kill your Ojatai, bro? <laughs> like, and,
0: and then, and this is the kick in the teeth. Like, it's already bad enough that he's staring at an Ojatai after he killed one. And his board is damn near empty. But then he fucking, Rachel goes ahead and he's like, I'm just going to fight a elite Skellgard. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm going to tap your parapet twice in one turn because you have to point triggers and stuff. And just, that was it. I mean, that was the game. Paul Ritzel takes it 2-0. His deck was absurd.
1: Absurd.
0: Like, I think I could give this deck to a new player, and he would do reasonably well. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You could give that to
1: my grandma, and she'd win. Yeah. Like, here's the rules, grandma. Okay. I'm going to win. You don't even need to tell her the rules. You just, like, pick a random card out, and it'll win. (laughs) It's
0: really sick. I mean, two Oja Ties and hostility. Just
1: yeah, elite scale guard. Elite scale guard? Yeah, like, it's not like his, his other cards were bad, either. You no, know? I mean, his whole deck was absurd. Treasure cruise. Treasure cruises. <laughs> like, I mean, it was a
0: good deck. Um, you, I, There was nothing Lee C.T.N. could do. <laughs> so, then we skip round 10, and we go to round 11, and uh, get your punt meter out, folks. <laughs> we have G. Moshiewicz. Versus huh. Martin Muller. This was a sweet match of magic. It was a very good match of magic. However, like I said, get your pun fucking count. Them. Oh, yeah. Um, so, JV's on green-white aggro. Martin Muller is on green-red kind of combo aggro. Okay, um, so Martin takes two mulligans in game one. Jv's uh, board just explodes. Just, you know, boom, I fart out everything. Um, and that's pretty much what he did. Um, he used, uh, I'm sorry, Muller eventually gets down to an alpine grizzlies, and he begins to stabilize. Jv um, just doesn't really have a feel to want to rush into it, because um, realistically, Muller's already showing, look, I got bigger creatures than you. If we turn this into a race, I'm going to win. Jv uh, begins to slow up. However, he gets wide. Um, and, oh, he plays two drops, and while at two, Muller finally stabilizes. However, Jv plays a Sabertooth. Oh, no. Yeah, um, although Flayer gives Martin Muller a bit of a cushion, Sabretooth eventually just takes over the game and ends it, um, yeah, I mean, or, yeah, Jv just ends it with that, because it seemed like he had enough mana where he could literally bounce three creatures to keep his Sabretooth alive if he needed to.
1: And it's just too much to deal with. No, you can't deal with that. Sabretooth is insane. Right. Uh but okay, so game two. Shvi
0: gets a couple of early Bondkins out. Um they trade for they trade for a couple turns and Muller, you know, runs out of gas first. Um so it looks really good at this point for Shvi. Um he draws a range form, okay? Muller does. Yeah. And Shvi plays a word mate getting back one of his Bond kids uh he outlasts and uh only leaves up one blocker. Okay. Muller then plays Become (laughs) Immense and Savage Punch because of the unblocker that he left up because he chose to outlast one of the ball again, okay? And then swings with the double striker for the win, and it was something like 18 damage, just, you know.
1: Wait a minute, wait, hang on. So he's a 2-2 two, two double striker, and then he makes a plus 6 plus 6, which makes it an 8-8, eight, eight, and then plus 2 plus 2. Uh, so I guess that's just 20.
0: Yeah, yeah. Huh. So, yeah, he's just like, okay, I went out of nowhere. And he's like, all right, okay, now I've seen your trick. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to fall for this mistake again. So, game three. Uh Shee jumps off, you know, early, filling his board up like we've seen in all games where you know Muller drops a couple little creatures. Uh Shee plays a scale guard in strings, right. and he puts Muller down to two. Um, here's the deal. Shvee goes, Judge, come here. And he even looks at Muller and goes, Listen, after what I saw last game, I have to ask this question. And he go and the question was because he had the uh, the Slayer out that gains you four life when, you know, something big dies, right? He goes, okay, Judge, question. The Judge goes, alright, I'm gonna answer your question. He goes, if, when does this creature give life? He goes, when damage is done. Yeah. Cause that's so all the le- Judge
1: can say. So if lethal damage is done, then the, the, the player will die before the life is gained.
0: Okay, Shvi goes, cool. Judge walks away. He swings with everything. Muller goes, all right, I'm going to stick this thing in front of the first striker. <laughs> well, Zvi, you had a guy with first strike. Right. So Muller gains the life. Oh, that's so awkward. And he survives another turn. And here's the problem with surviving another turn. Because, okay, Muller goes, all right, I'm cool. Um, he follows with one creature attacks um, with a crew shock. Then casted a Become Immense, then a teamer Battle Rage, then an Awaken the Bear, and swings in for 22. What? What? (laughs) Wait a minute. Now, the question is, and I mean, he, that was a punt, but the thing is, there was so much trample damage coming in, even if he kept a couple creatures back, would he have survived? That's It all depends on if he kept all four of them back or not. Yeah, I don't know. Because it was just like, I think he was something like 10 life,
1: and or 10 or 12 life, and the trample damage was just going to get in there. It I mean, it just, it's, it just seems like the longer the game goes on, the worse things get for Sv. like if every attack he makes, he's facing like 20 plus damage on the swing back. Then like, I, I don't know how you, how you do that. Yeah. That's, I a mean, tough ma- that's a tough match to play. I was super impressed by Muller's play in the game.
0: Yeah. So was I, I mean, I, I really, once he turned the first striker sideways, Z did like, I, I slapped my own head. I'm like, really dude? Like that's the one creature you couldn't attack with. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I can see this, but Hey, you know, in fairness, these are long
1: grueling games with best players in the world. Mistakes happen. Yep. I mean,
0: would they make these mistakes against me or you?
1: No. Well, I mean, it's also the eleventh round or the tenth, eleventh round of the, of the pro tour. You know, like yeah, they're drained, they're tired, they're tired. Yeah,
0: and I mean, Jv, realistically, he's there on his Hall of Fame. Although they did say that he was planning on getting back into it more, which would be great to see.
1: Yeah, I, I love the way he thinks about the game. I think he makes great texts. Uh
0: uh-huh. So, at the end of our three draft rounds on day two, um, some notables: uh, Yuki Ichikawa, twenty-seven points. That's my heavy lifter at this point. Will's heavy lifter at this point is Jacob Wilson at 27 points. Now he's got some modern
1: experience.
0: Ooh, we're, we're, yeah, but he was on pod. Pod's well, not there anymore. Nope. Um so, uh, other notables, Efro at 27 points. Hall of Famer Jelger Vigersma at 28th, 28, 28 points. That's pretty sick. Uh, Seth Mansfield was first place with 33. And second place was Austin Bercevic with twenty-eight. So Seth Mansfield's building himself a gap at this point.
1: Yeah, it seems like he's a shoe in.
0: You would take uh Frank Karstens, he's at twenty four points. And uh Will has a second heavy lifter on this list. Stanislav Sisk is sitting at twenty-five at this point.
1: Yeah, Stanislav
0: is he's he's always super consistent and he and he drafts very well. So nice. great pick. So uh before we get into the day two of modern we got a little announcement to make here about an upcoming set. The final core set will not be Core 2016, like, you know, we've become accustomed to, kind of. This one is going to be called Magic Origins. And it takes place from the storyline that they was allowed to uh, put out for us before the Planeswalkers that we all know now got their spark. So we're going to find out, finally, what, where the hell Jace is from. Oh, like they're what they are as creatures. Yeah, their they're, they're actual story, we're going to get to learn it. We're going to get to learn, you know, Liliana the Healer, not, you know, the Necromancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to see Jace before he found Ravnica, because, you know, that's where people associate him from, but he, that's not actually where he's from. Um, and, you know, we're going to find out, I believe the Five planeswalkers are Gideon, Nyssa, Jace, Chandra, and uh Liliana, we're going to learn their stories. This is also, they said, the largest core set as far as new cards go. Hmm. So there's going to be a lot of new cool cards in this format, in this set. This might be a very good last core set. Um,
1: yeah, I believe this to be pretty high power.
0: Right, there is uh, 272 cards in the set, and the pre-release date on this is July 11th and 12th, while the release date is the 17th, launch weekend, same weekend, game day, the 8th and 9th of August. Magic Online pre-release July 24th through the 27th, and the release date for online is the 27th. Pro Tour Magic Origins will take place in Vancouver, Canada on July 31st through August 2nd. Uh, the Pro Tour format will be Swiss, and Swiss, of course, it's going to be Magic Origins, Magic Origins, Magic Origins Draft, and Standard, with the top eight of Standard. And then, like, hashtags and three-letter codes and all that dumb shit. And then the designers and what have you, so.
1: Yeah, pretty good design team on it.
0: Yeah, um, one of the guys who was in the booth this weekend was Ian Duke. He was uh, part of the initial concept and in game design. So, you know, and part of the final game design. So, you know, good on him. Um, interesting, neat. It seems like a good place to finish off the core sets with. Um, it's the last one as we know it. It's a shame, too. I like core set.
1: I do, but I can understand why they're getting rid of it at the same time. Yeah, they're just not making enough money. There's okay. a lot
0: of people who don't like them, you know. Yep. And while, like, I play limited. Well, if
1: you don't base, play limited, there's no reason to have core set. Right. When you
0: play limited, Corset's sets, great. It's a great break from the uh, brain drain of the other sets where you're just like, okay, back to basics. Re-focus yeah, back on to, back to basics fundamental magic yeah what's good with limited i'm going to focus on that and i'm not going to fall into some crazy deck it really lets you gives you time to recenter yourself before you go back to okay i gotta figure out which deck is the best so yeah i always enjoy drafting core sets but i don't know if they're gone yep. after this one so you know goodbye uh let's the constructed players have more fun with it right but yeah I, you know
1: i mean I, and it, like if they keep making blocks like this to draft i'm never going to miss the corset. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. I,
0: I don't know. I kind of still might. Um, like I said, I do like these sets that say "Back to Basics," and.
1: Mm-hmm. Just well, hopefully they'll good. continue to, to do that somewhat every once in a while in their blocks. Yeah. I mean, all you got to do is cut back the power level a little bit right. on the set. and the, the, even the complexity level. You know, you can have a high power and, and, and a pretty high level of simplicity also.
0: And realistically, like cons, not necessarily with Fate Reforged. Fate Reforged has made it, I think, a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. But I think triple cons was a lot of kind of back to basics. It's
1: just there was morphs involved. Yeah, morphs and, and color fixing, but it was a very, I, I mean, it wasn't nearly as complex as, like, Shard's Alara block. Yeah, and, and it was a very
0: uh common-uncommon pushed set. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the rares weren't necessarily all-the-time first picks, where you see with Fate Reforged, like, there's so many powerful rares, it's just like, I open pack, I take rare.
1: Yep, more yeah. or less.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, that's, I'm going to miss it in that sense, but, oh well. Um, we have some modern rounds to play out the end of day two. Yeah, just a couple. Okay, well, let's see what these modern rounds bring us
1: before uh, I give the uh, top 20 wrap-up. So, uh, round 12 uh, brought me one of my most joyous feature matches possible. Um guy named John Finkel. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is playing this Infect deck. Fast, non-interactive, powerful deck versus my man, Willie Edel, Raleigh Pumba for life. <laughs> Willie Edel, of course. He's playing some grindy Obzan mid range deck, cause that's what Willie Edel does, man. He he grinds you out. Um man, two of my favorite magic players ever. You know yes. I just I was so, so pumped on this game. Um unfortunately though, uh John Finkel starts off game one with uh early glistener elf and a Spellskite, which is just very good against Edel's hand of spot removal. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. That abrupt decay can kill this.
1: Well, unfortunately, it didn't even get to kill it because Finkel had the Apostle's Blessing to buy <laughs> an additional turn of having a Spellskite, which further like complicated Edel's life and allowed Ink Moth Nexus to put enough pants on for the turn to kill Edel. Game one. I will say I was really shocked when we picked our three and you didn't pick Willie Edel. Dude, I wanted him so bad. I regret so much not picking him, too. He finished, like, 23rd place again. Like, <laughs> top 50 strong. every time. Like, I know. I, sh- I did. And I even said if I was going to pick a fourth, it would have been Willie. You know? <sighs> Fuck. Oh, well, we know for yeah. next time, right? Like, I, I can already guess what your team is. If My I team play. next time is, like, Stanislav Sivka, Willie well, Edel, Edel, and Blank. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, right? <laughs> Well I mean the
0: same thing kinda of falls for me. Like I mean Yuki just keeps putting up results, it's like I'm not walking away
1: from you Yeah, you dude. can't get off a can't get off a horse that's winning. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um so game two, uh we're hoping maybe to see a longer one, a little bit more interaction, but it's just not in the bill. Finkel goes, turn two, blighted agent, uh turn three make it a ten yeah. ten. <laughs> Uh, so Edel was on uh, what deck again? He was on Abzan, Abzan so, like, yeah. you know, theoretically, he could have some spot removal, but he didn't. Like, Edel didn't see the right cards. He didn't see any of his um, Lingering Souls. He didn't have time, you know, and, and like, Finkel's, you know, main deck skites were able to prevent the spot removal that would otherwise take in game one. That's really crazy because, uh, theoretically, again... Um, Abzan's the
0: one deck that legitimately can deal with the infect. It's know? still
1: it's still pretty close though. It's pretty coin flippy. Like it is, but just it because it's the, the answers. The high variance of infect and the amount you know, like like Abzan Kind of needs to be able to take some hits on a couple turns of the game to be able to survive. Like it's gonna outlife you, you know, on a long term. But like it doesn't have shields up every single turn, so a lot of times just that one turn is good enough for infect to pile enough on.
0: Yeah, but the black base, the black base stabs in is what I should say. I don't know if he was necessarily on that with the thought seizes the inquisitions. Yeah, no. With I mean the uh, Liliana's the abrupt decay like that one is a is pretty well suited against infect necessarily.
1: I would. uh I mean, it's close actually. It's closer than you might think. Okay. Yeah. The just the. The amount of explosiveness out of the out of the uh, infect deck right. and the access to vines of Astwood and uh, cards like Apostle blessing and stuff like that. Yeah, so, it can
0: go nuts. Uh, you know, yeah. not to say that it can't. You know, like the best <laughs> deck against it is probably like some blue base counter deck.
1: Oh <laughs> man, I don't know. Uh, something. something. I mean, yeah, runed, a deck with rune halos in it is what you want. That's that's the one. Right. Right. Runed okay. halo naming blighted agent. runed halo naming glistener elf. Done. Yeah. Become yeah. immense. Wow, defiance!
0: Yeah, become immense. Growth, um, it's
1: just really broken. came out this turn, this turn, this tournament. Like it's just
0: broken. Like I when put a you're couple mutagenic, gross. Hey, this become immense is damn near
1: free. When you're yeah, when you're become immense is is theoretically hitting like a double strike creature because in fact guys are theoretically double strikers. They just deal each one point they deal is worth two. So you're getting a plus twelve, plus twelve for as little as one green mana. It's absurd! It's absurd. It's, I mean, it's really, you know, it's like, it's, well, I mean, like plus 12, plus six, but like, it's crazy. Uh, so it's like a Pop-Tart commercial. Christ, we, uh, good. <laughs> we had enough time left over after our future future match that we got to pop in uh, to watch Sam Black on game one, two, and three. Um, I have notes on game three. Okay, so yeah. all right, It just sounded so quick when you. Were I, yeah, I mean it was you know I mean it was definitely a quick match. It was. Okay. <laughs> it was kind of a little bit of a letdown, but that's okay. Uh, so Sam Black on Amulet Bloom combo versus Robin. Robin Delar, uh, you guessed it, he's on Abzan, just like everybody else. <laughs> so, uh, we pick up in game three, where Black, uh, has a turn zero Ley Line of Sanctity. Which is just a bummer, because, you know, Robin Delar wants to make him discard stuff. Uh, hang on. So, uh... Black, on turn two, is able to have Amulet in play and play Summer Bloom to ramp into a Primeval Titan, and I believe also was able to attack with it. No, 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 so he's able to turn to a Primeval Titan, and then turn three, he plays a Sigard of Host of Herons, which is so unfortunate because Robin Delar plays Liliana of the Vale the next turn. Which can't even minus two at all. Damn. So uh with a board state like this, it's pretty clear that Black has like he had he had seven lands in play on turn three and uh a, a primeval titan and a cigarda, so he obviously won. That Ooh. was that. Takes the match two one. Oh my. Yeah, we move to round thirteen with your man, Yuki, Ichikawa, Ha-ha. Rock and John in all formats <laughs> versus Alexandra Banu. On okay. uh, the Living End combo. Um, oh, okay. I like Living End. Yeah, game. no, I like Living End too. I think it's a really sweet deck. Um, so Yuki gets to start off the game uh with Dark Confidant, which is just great. It's every it's, reason to play Jun. Yep. That's <laughs> every reason, you know. So uh he is able to draw some cards with his uh Dark Confidant, even if survive for a couple turns. Um, but I believe he misses his third land drop because Bono decides that he's gonna beast within. Uh, taking him back down, uh he, he targets a land.
0: That's nice. Here, take a 3-3. Three, three.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but that's just all the time he needs because he plays Violent Outburst on turn 4, and Violent Outburst has Cascade, and there's only one thing that Cascade can hit with uh, his deck, which is Living End. Which yeah, kills the game. Yeah, it, it kills a Tarmogoyf and a Dark Confidant, and it brings back like uh a Dead Shot Minotaur and a couple other dudes. Just everything. Oh, two Shriek Moths. <laughs> oh, that's that's terrible. So um but here's the thing though. He was at two and Yuki untapped and lightning bolted him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so get there, Yuki. Kinda kinda
1: awkward. Oh, yeah,
0: normally when people go off with that, that's the end.
1: Yeah, yeah. You'd think. Um, I mean, that's what I've seen over yeah,
0: since that thing was an extended deck. You know, like it's just like I went off, I win. God damn it!
1: <laughs> Kick yeah, ass for sure. Um, so we go to game two, and it's actually Ichikawa's time to be disruptive. He leads off with Thoughtseize, and then plays a Fulminator Mage to further take Bono off mana.
0: Ooh, that's uh, bad for that deck.
1: You can, then... you can pick a what did he get with the thought seeds? You have that written down, he get a violent outburst? Uh, I didn't. I I imagine he took a uh yeah, I, I imagine he took a violent outburst or some kind of that's kind of sick, because that just sets that deck back so 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 much. Right. <laughs> uh then he puts him back down the mana, and then the the real the nail the, the really the nail in the coffin was the uh the ooze coming out of Ichikawa's hand, the uh the scavenger. The scavenger ooze, yeah. yeah. Very good that so He's able to kill all of the things before they would the graveyard would fill up and uh there's you know more discarding and Yuki is able to get further and further ahead, plays <laughs> Tasiker, and that's that.
0: <laughs> My ooze keeps getting bigger. Oh by the way, here's a Tassiker. <laughs> that's pretty sick. Um
1: cool. Uh what is the uh next So that was actually a pretty long match, so that was the uh that was all we got on that one. I didn't really take any notes on on looking in. Okay, no, that's cool. Yep. Uh so in round fourteen we got another pretty stacked feature match. We have Sam Black on his Amulet Bloom deck versus Johnny Finkel on Infect. Ooh. Um yeah, so Sam Black does more stupid shit with man this this game. Uh he gets an early amulet and an Asusa to get a primeval titan uh Ooh, okay with a slayer stronghold to go attack that turn. Boris Garrison? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, double striking, too. Oh, that's nice. No, 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 okay. no, no. Uh, you just, you just, I mean, it was, it was like turn, it would have been turn three. Uh, it can still be done on turn three. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Amulet combo's stupid, man. No, I, I, I realize that. Uh Because, like,
0: what ends up happening is the prime evil. Yeah, prime the prime evil type on trigger can go ahead and go get the garrison to give him double strike as well.
1: So. Yeah, he didn't have quite enough mana for that. Okay. um So, yeah, just quick. Quick game. Uh he actually plays a second primeval Titan also. Because uh, to haste it up to make sure well, I mean he actually needs it because otherwise he dies the next turn to oh, okay. uh Finkel's crackback. Oh, okay. Cool. So uh we pick up in turn two of game two, uh with Sam Black already having five poison counters on him. Oh uh and no permanence in play other than land. Oh. And then on turn three he shuffled his cards up. Oh. yeah. So that was pretty quick. Uh I mean they like looked away to another match for Mulligan decisions and then the game was over. Oh, that's that's sad that it ended too fast. Hmm. Okay. Uh so game 3, we uh Finkel is going to play a Glistener elves on turn 1 and 2 as setting up for a turn 4 kill. He actually even um What's the rebound card they're playing? Uh, distorting Strike. Distortion Strike, uh, creature can't be, is unblockable for this turn, plus one, plus zero. He even plays that on turn three to set up for it. It's distortion make...
0: Strike is a counter,
1: but no, I get what you're saying.
0: I, I know what card you're talking about. I can't think of the name of it. I think it's Distortion Strike.
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna
0: Google it real quick. I thought Distortion Strike was a counter, was a blue and a colorless from cons.
1: No, that's disrupting. Something no, Distortion Strike is from, whatever, it has Rebound. Okay. Strike creature gets 1 plus 0. Oh okay, and, uh, yeah. uh Block. Um, Sick. Yeah, so uh, he is able to set up for a turn 4 kill, and, uh, wait a minute, my writing is so bad. But um, I mean, unfortunately, though, Sam Black makes a hasty primeval titan to win the game on his turn three. How is that unfortunate? <laughs> well, I mean, it's unfortunate for John Finkel. It's very fortunate so, for Sam Black. Yeah, Sam Black takes it down 2-1. Okay, cool. We move to round fifteen where we have Jacob Wilson, my man, versus Seth Mansfield. Jacob Wilson is on a really green white heavy uh version of Abzan, Seth Mansfield on the Boros burn.
0: And this is basically a win
1: and in for both, correct? Yeah, win and in for both. Seth Mansfield has actually dropped like three rounds in a row, so that he he has to win a match now. Yeah. Um which is, you know, it's not where you want to be. Very stressful. So luckily he gets the perfect draw with turn one, Goblin Guide, turn two, switch spear. Bolt you.
0: That's pretty good. Or no, no, he
1: doesn't even bolt him. He bolts Wilson's mana man bird. Uh, that's fine
0: because, you know, that's a prowess trigger.
1: Yeah, it's still the prowess trigger. He still gets to attack for four and there's no bird, which is exactly what he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, Wilson tries to get back in the game by making a voice of resurgence. That helps. Uh, but, I mean, like, he's at eight right now already, though. Yeah, but, I mean, it's... Takes... And Seth Mansfield plays an Igelon of the Great Rebels. Aha! Uh... Don't play nothing that's cheap, fucker. Right. Well, (laughs) I mean, it's modern and everything's cheap, so (laughs) Wilson, he just plays a kitchen fink's. And then the next turn plays a Kitchen Finks, so we're like we're trying, you know, to get back into this.
0: Yeah, but uh, I mean that just trades with the idol on damage,
1: doesn't it? Yeah, it just well, but then he gets the when it comes promise, back into yeah. play, yeah. Yeah, it, uh, it you know he he whatever. he blocks stuff and gains life that way by by killing creatures, yeah. and then he also gets to return it into play with uh not prowess, but it's definitely with a P persist persist, and he, yeah. and he gains the two life that way, so it does work out, but. Unfortunately, Mansfield has a Boros Charm, which is enough damage to kill Jacob Wilson.
0: That is four to the face.
1: Yeah, man, come on, Seth. Be, that's my guy. Don't don't be hitting him on the face.
0: Not this late,
1: huh? <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> yeah, right. So, game two, uh Mansfield gets another fast start with early dudes, and Wilson uh resolves a Kitchen Finks this time before any kind of Ejelon of Great Rebels shenanigans.
0: That, that's good.
1: Um, he also follows that up with a li- Ley Line of Sanctity the next turn. Oh, that's bad for the Burn Deck. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> uh, literally, Mansfield has five cards in hand and can't cast any of them. <laughs> oh, that's bad for the Burn Deck. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. So, uh, he, uh, Wilson's able to force a game three which is just really great because, um, so Mansfield starts out with two Swiss Spears and Nigel on the Great Rebels. Oh, that's a good hand. Yeah, a great hand. Lots of lots of early pressure, but unfortunately, Jacob Wilson already had a lay line in play from turn zero. Ah, that's, that's an even better hand. And he has the ability to block dudes with voice resurgence and kitchen finks. So uh, this puts Mansfield into a very uh, difficult position. So he actually tries just a very um, peculiar line of play where he starts to... Actually, there were no creatures in play on Wilson's uh, side at this point. I'm sorry. So the only legal target for him to point any of this burn at is his own face. Uh, but he's getting double prowess triggers every time he burns himself. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he he burns himself, uh, but he actually eventually takes him, himself down too low, where he dies to siege rhinos coming into play.
0: That is a very curious line of play, but I guess
1: you got to do something. you mean, right? you, you got to do something because I mean, he, he's not—he's not playing. I don't think he's playing the destructive revelries. I'm pretty sure he's not on the nihilist, so he doesn't—he has like a wear and tear or something. Yeah. So you just need to do something because you know that eventually the Sea dragon's coming down anyway. I mean, I can understand him trying it, but uh, it just didn't work out. He maybe shouldn't have thrown the boros charms at himself. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I—I w- I don't know if I'd throw boros charms at myself. I think I'd look for something a little smaller. Uh, also interestingly in this match we had um Justin Cohen who is uh, Sam Black's roommate facing Sam Black uh, in the amulet mirror match which can only be absurd uh, uh, um Cohen uh,
0: just as a side note uh, this is his very first pro tour yeah he qualified out of the
1: Madison PTQ which is one of the better ones in the country he has a car- he had a career coming into this tournament of 1 pro point one, So like one day two of a Grand Prix or something? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, he's actually the one who has been on the amulet list the longest, and I guess he said that – Sam Black was asked about his testing process, and he said that he built the field in the gauntlet, and he just played everything against Justin Cohen on the amulet list, and Cohen beat everything. So they just all ended up playing it. Which is great, too, because what it sounds like is that Justin Cohen had more experience with this deck than anyone else. You know, he had more quality playtesting with this extremely broken deck list. Yeah, uh, I would think there's time. only
0: maybe one other player out there, and that would be uh the dude with the hats from SCG. Um, I can't think of his name. He former Rookie of the Year. He, he's been on this list for a long time, but he mm. might be the only person who's actually got more time with this list than
1: yeah. Cohen. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure they buddied up and, uh, they just drew, uh, so that Sam Black could win an in, in the final round. Sweet. That,
0: that's, that's a good call by a good friend
1: late yeah. in the, uh, tournament. Yeah, they, it actually
0: put them both on winning ins in the final round. Yeah, and you know what? At the end of uh, day two, Cohen did have a draw, so that, that explains that.
1: Yeah. Um so we have, uh, our round 16, we have Justin Cohen on his winning in with his Amulet Bloom, <laughs> excuse me, versus Austin Bercevich playing the Infect List. Ooh. I'm excited. Yeah, um so game 1, uh Justin Cohen just raw dogs a summer bloom with no amulet on turn 2. <laughs> um, but he plays three lands. Uh he he like is sitting on six mana on turn 3. It does that. <laughs> so um, he has two very important cards in his hand that cost six mana. One is Primeval Titan and the other is Hive Mind. Tell me he went with the Hive Mind. Well, unfortunately, he didn't have no a, packs. a pact at this point in time. So he just makes a Primeval Titan and has, like, seven lands in play on eh, turn three. Good enough. Turn three Titans. Pretty good. Uh... Yeah. Um but then actually he just draws a summoner's Pack. Uh Sam Black just draws the Summoners Pack the next turn. Cohen and Sam Black Sam Black Oh sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're Sam Black's roommate. Yeah. 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 Versus Cohen versus Versovich. Cohen. Cohen. Uh he he drew the summoners Pack he needed and just went for the high mind and won. And that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's just a fun way to win. It just <laughs> works. <laughs> it just works. Yeah. <laughs> Uh so game two, things are looking real bad for Austin Bersovich. He mulligans to three. Oh my god. Um and his line of play is to defend the early game with a spell pierce.
0: Oh my god, that's not good. Yeah. It's not good. <laughs> I mean, what's he stop amulet or does spell piercing? I guess it can stop
1: summer amulet. bloom. Summer bloom, maybe, you know, maybe maybe yeah. a hive
0: mind, but it's bad. It's not, it's not what not you want to be doing when he's going turn two Um
1: And he's uh <laughs> he's actually attacking with a noble hierarchy.
0: Yeah, get there. We don't damage.
1: Yeah, no, he has he has um Justin Cohen in the single digits. I've, dude, I've seen this. I mean, there's things called becoming ins and things like that. Like <laughs> I've seen right. this, it can work uh but he just doesn't have the necessary uh resources in hand to put the game away so Cohen is able to resolve an amulet and a bloom through the uh the spell piers mm-hmm. um unfortunately for Mr. Cohen uh Bercevich has drawn a nature's claim by now and stops the amulet from doing anything super super nuts okay but he also puts uh Cohen back to 12 and man that's a lot of work for a hierarchy. <laughs> it is
0: um <laughs> But what was it? He was like a turn away from actually putting it out, wasn't he? Uh with Hierarch cuz he had like a Become Immense yeah, yeah, in I hand
1: and... he was, was one away from dealing lethal da- lethal physical damage with Hierarch. That's yes. just absurd. <laughs> but he, he just can't let him let him do that. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, Persovich topped X in Ink Moth Nexus and uh the next turn because he's able to get one, he casts Eugenic Growth, become immense, and a Hierarch trigger. That's that's 10. That's exacties. Shit. Definitely. Yeah, that's,
0: that's how you win a multiple. He had three. no haven, too, didn't he? he
1: uh, no, he was a Hierarch trigger. So he Hierarchs gets two, two. From dra- two from mutagenic growth, six from Become Immense, and one from the Hierarch trigger. Okay. So, and then one from the Power itself. Okay. I'm just, I was doing math in my head, and I thought I was missing one there. Yep. Yeah, there was a Hierarch. That okay. was the one. All right. <laughs> Oh. Hey, that can
0: happen with Infect. And like I said, he was a turn away from doing it with physical damage, so you knew
1: he had the pump. Yeah, he had – it's just a shame that he wasn't able to get an Infect guy. on. I mean, it, it's still fine because he won the game, but, like, if he had an Infect guy anywhere in the first couple turns of the game while Cohen is just startling around, that would be it. Yeah, it would have been a lot quicker. So this is a, an extremely critical Game 3, round 16 of a pro tour.
0: Right. Both <laughs> of them sitting on 34 points, winning in.
1: Winning in. Um. Uh, Bercevich is able to set up. He gets his infect dudes out and is looking for a turn four kill. But unfortunately for him, man, I said unfortunately so many times today. Oh, well, I yeah, say that, absolutely. Man, against, against his better wishes, uh, Cohen has a simian spirit guide in his hand in an amulet and, uh, and is able to hive mind Ugh. On, turn, on turn three.
0: Yeah, this deck does that.
1: Uh, Yeah, he also had a pact. (laughs) Uh,
0: yeah, this deck does that. So. I'm guessing it wasn't the green pact either, because he probably could have paid for
1: it. No, it was the green pact, but there were not enough lands in play on upkeep. Three lands in upkeep is not enough, because it's four mana to pay for green pact. (laughs) Wow. And, uh, Justin Cohen, uh, he gets there, man. First pro tour. Might as well top eight it. Might as well. Why not? Let's just go for the win while we're at it. Yeah, uh, but unfortunately his buddy and roommate, uh, house, housemate technically. Yeah. Uh, it's not, they're like, well, Sam Black's married and stuff. Um, they, uh, they did not get to live the dream of being buddies in, in the top eight, so Sam Black is just gonna have to settle for top 16. Yep.
0: So here's how, uh, day two broke down. Um, our 20th place player was, uh, Yuki Ichikawa with 33 points. Oh uh, yeah? Um, that's, it's pretty good. That's a good finish. Yeah, that's that's very solid. Place.
1: Dude, you want, you want top 32 every pro tour. That's what you want. Right. Um, I believe, you know, top 20
0: does qualify him for the next one. And he's just going to keep being a fixture on the tour. Uh, number 19 was Michael Vyshovich. with 33 points. Um, Marco Lombardi with 33 points. Sam Black with 34 points. Austin Bersevich with 34 points. Okay, now this is where it gets awkward because the, there's a bunch of 36-pointers here. And one of these guys gets into the top eight. So breakers mean something here. So yeah, have, breakers mean a lot. From Hong Kong we have Yam Wing Chun with 36 points. From uh, Taiwan we have Huang Hao Shan with 36 points. <laughs> from the, the good old USA, Tyler Hill. That's an points. easy one. Yeah. That's an easy one. From Italy we have Roberto Esposito. Um, that was a merfolk list. 36 points. Uh from New Zealand we have Jason Chung with 36 points. From the United States of America. Jason, is it Justin? Is it Justin Sheehan? Says just Jason. Oh. That's what I got. Um, huh. So from the United States of America, the 36 points Hall of Famer, John Finkel. Woo! That that's pretty fucking good, man.
1: Yeah, I bet he was pissed. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, it, it, he missed out on breakers. I think he knew it going in. There was no way. Um,
1: yeah. Park Jun-soon from Korea in ninth with 36 points. Korea's really starting to pick up magic. They're really starting to put some great players out there.
0: They really are. And uh our last 36-pointer from the United States in eighth place. So this is our first top eight player, Jesse Hampton.
1: Jesse Hampton. Wow. Sneaking in. Sneaking oh, you in. know what? He played, he played Jacob Wilson in the, in round 10, in the missing round. Oh, okay. really close match.
0: Alright, that's cool. Um, so we have, uh, in seventh place, and I, I want to talk about this guy for a minute. We have the sixth, number six player in the world at 37 points from Hong Kong, Li Xi Tian. How the fuck did he top eight, dude? He had three losses like the second round of day two. I know. Um, here's my question for you, and this is his fourth Pro Tour Top 8. Does this put him in Hall of
1: Fame airs? Like, I mean, is it time uh, we start talking about this guy as future Hall of Famer? I mean, it probably... Like, this... His resume right now doesn't get him in the Hall of Fame, but... He
0: doesn't have enough, but, yeah. you know,
1: very quickly, he's amassed four Pro Tour right. Top 8s, top and that's
0: usually that... That's the dividing line. Five, five's, five's really what you want.
1: And he doesn't have a lot of the Grand Prix record to, right. to kind of go along with. He really doesn't even play a whole lot of high-level Magic. I honestly... Having watched this guy play a lot, I actually think he's just the biggest luck sack on the planet. Now like <laughs> he is a great player and he you know, like part about being a luck sack, like Kai Buddha said, you have to play in a way to make your top decks able to win you the game. And he always leaves himself live top decks to win the game. But like you look at the decks he plays and there are a lot of kinda of like coin flippy, you know, if I draw well I win kind of decks and if I play well and draw well I win. And man, he just he gets there. He is he is extremely good at winning games that he shouldn't.
0: Uh uh-huh. Okay, I'm, I am I'm mean, I'm just, I'm looking at his resume at this point, and I'm really looking at somebody, I think, and I mean, you can say luck sack, I don't know. You no, know, no, he's going to be in the decision. Hall of Famer, he's a great player, he's I, a
1: great I, player also, but like, you know, he's always putting himself into these positions where he top decks the win. Yeah, hey, whatever it takes, right? <laughs> nope. A win's a win. <laughs> no, I mean, he's, <laughs> it doesn't he's, matter he's, how you get there, a win's a win. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, he's probably going to win himself one of these pro tours one of these days, and you know, if he gets out to play the Grand Prix, then that's just going to solve, solidify him all that much more. He's only been playing professional magic for what? Three years now.
0: Yeah, three or four years. You know?
1: Short period of time. He's racked this up. Like he's
0: not even eligible yet. But I mean, he's getting to the point now where he's got the Pro Tour finishes. Um, he's got a couple GP finishes. I mean, that's how he originally got on. Yeah. And it's just like you know, it's beginning to look like, hey, this guy is just consistently.
1: Yeah, I. I mean, I think right now, like he and Stanislav Sivka are the best guys in the game right now.
0: Okay, fair enough. Uh, Okay, at number six, uh, somebody who obviously doesn't have enough years, because he's only 19 years old, we have the 15th best player in the world, from Canada, at 37 points... One of Will's fucking picks, Jacob Wilson.
1: He's only nineteen. He's
0: only nineteen years old. Dude.
1: He's like credited with inventing Canadian threshold too. He must have done it when he was he twelve. Was young. Wow.
0: Dude, he is so good.
1: He's so good. <laughs> I
0: mean, he's been—I don't know—he might have turned like thirteen this year. No, he's really young, dude. <laughs> That's awesome. He's only nineteen. Um, so he finishes uh, sixth. So he's into the top eight. Justin Cohen is into the top eight, as we'll just talked about, at thirty-seven points with his crazy amulet deck. One of the best players in the world at it. I mean, even though look, this is his first pro tour,
1: finished well, fifth, you know in yeah, the Swiss. He's not really playing a magic deck. No. Like, yeah, he's playing a magic deck, but it's it's much more about just finding this one line of play because your lines of play are more powerful than what anyone else is doing.
0: Right, but it is a very difficult. It's very at difficult the same time because your lines of play vary depending on exactly which deck you're
1: playing it's, against. So. Yeah, it's it's like getting a jigsaw puzzle and dumping it out onto the table so that the picture is face down and and putting the puzzle together that way looking right. Right at the back of the cardboard. So uh our early, you know, I'm going to jump out to a heavy heavy lead. I mean, he
0: had a big lead after the draft format. Seth Mansfield gets in at fourth place from the United States with Yeah, the just seven. squeaks in <laughs> after being 11 and 0. Right. And then we had three players with 38 points. And, you know, breakers are going to decide where they sit. Um, in third, from the Netherlands, we have Hall of Famer Jelger Vigersma. Had himself a tournament. Was yes. King of the Hill
1: from most of the Swiss. Yeah, just absurdly good. Um, yep. Drafted some really sweet decks, played really tight and modern. Yeah. yeah, uh so from Spade, we have
0: Anthony Del Leon with 38 points in second place. And to finish the Swiss rounds, we have the number 11 player in the world at 38 points from the United States of America, Eric Froelich.
1: Now, Is it correct that this was Evro's first Pro Tour Top 8? So, I like, don't know, but I know a lot of the pros. No, no, he, he, has has four, Magic. he has four, four PT Top yeah. 8. yeah yeah he's he's really great. um I love watching him on the vintage super league He's just so smart you know like he's yeah. also a poker player, so he has all this wonderful analytical tools and he just understands the game very well yeah and I mean, there's a lot to be said when you
0: know the pros are saying that this is the best player in magic because realistically top sixty four is like
1: his average pro tour finish. That's crazy. Subsur- I mean, when your median when your median finish is 64, you're the best guy in the world. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's pretty much what he's been putting up since he
0: started playing on the Prairie tour. So. Dude, Eric Froelich, insanely good. It's just absurd. Right now, he is just on top of his game. He had a little dip at the beginning of this year, uh, but, or at the beginning of last year, but he's come back strong in recent tournaments and he's back where we're used to seeing him. <laughs> um, right. So, so that's how it breaks down our top eight. Again, Eric Froelich, Antonio Del Mora Leon, Jager Vigersma, Seth Mansfield, Justin Cohen, Jacob Wilson, and Lee Shitian, and Jesse Hampton. So pretty good. Uh, we got a few people from the USA there we got some people from Canada there we have a couple people from Europe there and one from the region of uh the Asia Pacific so the world is represented yeah everyone from everywhere even the Midwest yeah um so before we uh head into the uh, top eight and our draft scores and things like that um we're going to real quickly make a little announcement about this show. Um, we have found a new sponsor. Um, we still are going to be sponsored by Brainstorm Brewery, but now a store is sponsoring us. And I went and I met with these guys, and I really got to meet them. Um, <clears throat> it's uh, John Tan and uh, Chris.
1: I don't know Chris' last name. I don't Sens- know his last name.
0: C i e n c i n. So that's Chris. Um, but uh, Tan used to work at a major, and I'm not going to say who it is because they don't sponsor us. But a major card shop um, that you've heard of, and he decided to split out on his own, and he wanted to open his own store. And when he was looking around, he saw that the Pittsburgh region was a growing region for Magic the Gathering. Um, and it's extremely cheaper than California, <laughs> so that gives you a hint who you where he works. Uh, <laughs> um,
1: yeah, John's a great guy. I love uh, hanging out with John. He's um, very smart. Very Former pro for
0: tour player. Yep. Um, I
1: mean, this lots guy. Of, I, lots of Grand Prix day twos. Yes. Um, he
0: understands this game very well, uh, but he's taken it more to the financial side. Because realistically, when he was a Pro Tour player, like, that was not a way to make a living. That's just the truth. Nowadays, it's a little easier to do it because there's so many big tournaments. But back in his day, it just wasn't. Um, he was, you know, back in the Athog days and what have you. So, but now he, you know, sells cards. He opened up this store and he thinks big. And this is the thing I like best about him. Like, after getting to talking to him and him really explaining his plans for what his what he wants his store to be, he wants to compete with the Giants. And, you know, that's what I I like the fact that we're getting behind somebody who's like, look, I'm going after Star City Games. I'm going after Channel Fireball. I'm going to just go after them. I'm going to put my store at the top. I want to hold huge tournaments. He's going to start streaming those tournaments live on, uh, on Twitch or something like that. I mean, he's just got all these huge plans. And when you think big, like I, I don't know about you, Will, but I like people who think big because if you're thinking small, you're going to get stuck where you're at forever.
1: Well, I mean, I th- I also think that they are able to execute their, their plan very well. They have a, a really great shop that is a, a really great place to play tournaments. They have a, a wonderful selection of singles, that, you know, and just they have a great knowledge from both of the owners to get you – you know, on the right track. They run tournaments every day. You know, I mean, it's wonderful. You walk
0: into their shop and literally like on the wall, they have a TV showing a past event or a current event at all
1: times. Pretty much.
0: It's, it's, it's really nice.
1: And it's only magic. It's an only magic shop. There's nothing else. All they do is magic.
0: Yeah. And, Here's, I mean, he's thinking big and he's growing even quicker. Like, he is, he told me two years ahead of his business plan in seven months. Yeah. Okay? Like, in seven months, he's met where he figured he'd be in, like, three years.
1: Uh, when you put a high-quality product out, people notice.
0: Yeah. Um, he's already basically crushed the store that's, like, three doors down from him.
1: <laughs> yeah. Almost, <laughs> almost put the tournaments into obsolete.
0: Yeah, they're actually going to quit running tournaments because it's not worth trying to fight yeah. with this man anymore. Um, so, you know, great. Great things are going on with these guys. They do sell singles internationally and, uh, you know, in the states. They have a website. It's on uh, TitanGameshop You know, please go check them out. It's,
1: it, it's also it's it's not spelled Titan like you would think. No, it's, it's T- Titan. Yeah, T A I T A N. Right, and I mean Titan. Yeah, Titan. Okay,
0: um, so you know, look that up. Check it out. You can find them on TCG Player as well if you're looking for cards. Um, their prices are fair. And if for some reason you do go to them and you do buy, um, first off, I would like to thank you. You know, on behalf of them, yes, but so also we would
1: both like to thank you
0: in the comments section let them know that we sent you that way they know that you know this investment that they're putting into our show is worth it to them as much as you know it's worth it to us because like you know obviously you know they're putting their neck out a little bit because they're thinking okay we're advertising with this podcast but we've never done this before and we're not 100 percent sure how well it's going to work out i think it's going to work out great for them i know our fans i know they buy singles buy your singles off of these guys or at least check out their prices and you know see if it's a store that you would like to shop at um, if you live in western Pennsylvania play there. Dude, they have
1: <laughs> IQs, they have re- regional qualifiers, all that shit. Yeah, like, they they have on tournaments
0: every day. Yeah, there's uh they do PPTQs. They Yeah, got, that's what I was
1: thinking of. They, Grands, they did a grand prix
0: trials. Yeah, they got yeah. the trials. I mean like they they got everything going on there. Yeah,
1: the I'm, Star City games IQs are, are held there as well. Yeah, so right. They're plugged in. They're they're moving
0: up very fast, and they're definitely worth keeping an eye on. And, you know, hey, throw them a couple bucks, order a few cards. I know I'm getting my cards there from now on because, you know, that's just – that's how loyalty works, you know. They're they're gonna show things to us. I'm gonna show show it right back. They're gonna start yep. seeing me play paper even because of this. Um, it's a little bit of a drive for me, but you know what? Walking in their store, walking around, talking to them, it's well worth it. It's a great place to play magic. I have a lot of fun there. Yeah, and they have a lot of future plans that you know I'm not allowed to get into on the air, but maybe I'll talk a little about them after. Trust me, they're gonna make big moves in the next couple of years. Okay, so that was everything about uh, Titan Game Shop. Uh, again, T-A-I-T-A-N-Gameshop.com. Go check them out, please. Uh, they should be in the show notes, the uh, link to their site. Um, but remember, you can also find them on TCG. Now, we have a Pro Tour topic to talk about here. And our quarterfinals, the first one we got to see uh, was Eric Ferlick versus Jesse Hampton. Um, Will you have notes on these or no? I thought you. Said no, that. I didn't. I didn't take notes on these. I just watched. Okay, so game one of this uh, quarterfinal. he uh, starts out uh, with an inquisition of Ko- Kozilek. He takes a scavenges. Hampton returns the favor by ca- casting Thoughtseize. And taking you seed right now
1: <laughs> <laughs> I see
0: Ephro <laughs> uh, top decks a goif uh, then follows that with lingering souls, uh, then gets another goif and a gaveny township um Gaviny Township is pretty serious in the Abzan mirror. yeah, he rides the Gavity Township to the win, uh so that puts Ephro up one zero in this matchup um. Game two uh, started the same way, pretty much as Game
1: one, with inquisitions and thought seizes being thrown around. And like Ephro like just has Gavyny Township advantage in this, right? Like, yeah, uh, for Jesse's on the one vault of the Archangel plan, right? So he was thinking about bringing in Fulminator Morges out of the Fulminator Mage out of the sideboard. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it starts out the
0: same way, Lingering Souls. Hampton does stick a Rhino, while Ephro sticks Lingering Souls. Um,
1: oh, I think I'd rather be on the Rhino path. Yeah, but then Ephro plays a
0: path, and it looked like he was going to take over the game. Oh, um, no. He plays more Lingering Souls, and then a Gaveny Township, and truthfully, it looked over at that point. Then Hampton taught Dex Maelstrom Pulse, like the answer.
1: Yeah, the one of Maelstrom Pulse.
0: Yeah, uh, and cleared the board of everything, but hey, uh Hampton's Rhino. Hampton has played a rhino since then. Uh he follows huh. with uh what's that say? Pulse? I don't know.
1: But he play oh
0: delve. Oh he delves out of Passiger. <laughs>
1: um Ef- good.
0: Efro does play a rhino of his own, but a uh, dismember quickly kills it and uh, Hampton swings in for lethal one one. Okay, so game three. Wow. Hampton starts off with a thought seize. He takes a tasiger. Efro follows with a goif. Uh which gets met with a very abrupt abrupt decay. Oh. So <laughs> uh Ephro then gets an ooze and he pumps it up to four four begins to attack with it. Um Hampton gets an ooze of his own, uh, but it eats a dismember. Uh both player plays a turn five batter skull.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, that's really good. That's where you want to be in the mid-range grind matchup, just not where you want your opponent to be. Okay. God, so, this game's going to go out of control. Yeah, this game takes a while. So, Whew.
0: Hampton goes ahead, and he gets his Batter Skull attached to a Lingering Soul token. Ephro gets his attached to a No hierarch. Swing for five, 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 swing for five. They just trade life totals um, for a few turns, and then Passager comes down and activates, and it pushes Hampton ahead.
1: Yeah, Tasigur in the late game, when you have a bunch of laying around, is really good. I mean,
0: dude, he just, like, graveyarded out everything. It was unreal. Yeah, so.
1: and, like, you know, the ability to control what's in your graveyard via the delving and out to leave so there's only, like, I'm pretty sure he, like, delved lands out of his, or, like, left lands in his graveyard and took out non-land cards just to to limit the options for Ephraim. Yeah, so
0: I mean, like the, he did, Um so the Abzan Mirror, the, you know, the one Abzan Mirror in the top eight does go to Jesse Hampton, and we move on to, uh, Mansfield versus Justin Cohen. Uh, Mansfield's on Burn, and Cohen is on Amulet Combo. Uh, Mansfield got a turn one goblin guide out, turn two idle on, uh, Cohen. Great, it's a
1: fine start.
0: Yeah, Cohen had the hive mine combo in hand and it was only a matter of like saving up until he had six mana. Yeah. Uh, a summer bloom got him closer but not close enough. Eventually though, Cohen draws a gemstone mine at the last possible chance and goes, uh, gemstone mine, or, so I'm playing his gemstone mine, okay, uh, untap, a. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and play, uh, Hive Mind, uh, and, um, here's a pact. I win, right? And Mansfield just went, yeah, you win. <laughs> so, Cohen up 1-0. Mansfield, game 2 starts the same way, but then on turn 3, he used a Molten Rain just to slow Cohen down a turn. That's all you need. And literally that was all he needed. That one turn meant everything to him. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's not even like taking a whole turn off because you're still still dealing two damage with the Molten Rain because there's there's only one basic in the deck. Uh So, like, man, it's just the the absolute perfect card uh, against the Cohen strategy. It so is. uh, So... It's not the perfect card. It's the second perfect card. We'll talk about what the
0: perfect card is later.
1: Um, Oh, yeah. No, there is a better
0: card. That's right. It's also red and costs three mana. It is. Uh, So, Cohen... He does an insane, uh, turn two primeval titan thing. Um, Mansfield basically empties his hand to try and deal, you know, just to try to deal, not deal with the amulet and the titan. And he's like, okay, but after two turns, go and hit Mansfield with a hive mind pack combo and say, Hey,
1: you know what? The titan can go away. (laughs) Like he does all this pressure along this primeval titan axis. Yes. Freaking you out, which forces Mansfield to use burn, not at his face, but to kill the titan. And all all he needs to do is hive mind anyway. Yeah. It's awkward. It
0: it is awkward. So Cohen moves on. Um so then we have a twin versus burn matchup with Antonio Del Moral Leon running twin versus uh Lee Chi Tian on Burn.
1: I can't believe li Shi made this top eight. I thought he was out of it on day one. <laughs> dude, uh Luxac, right? That's what she said. I, he's so good. Um so game one, um and these games are legitimately very straightforward. <laughs> the plan to these games is burn him out before he combos. Yeah, like, don't let him get the thing with four butt. If he gets a Deceiver Exarch, you're dead. <laughs> like, that legitimately is the plan. Like,
0: I have to burn about out before he those off, okay? Because I don't have the counters to stop him. Um, so, game one... Uh, Tien gets very close to burning Leon out. But Leon's like, look, I can count. I, I have time. Um, yeah, being the top seed here really helps, too. Yeah, and then he gets down a Splinter Twin onto a Deceiver Exarch, and that is the game. Like, you, you just don't win from there. It, it's over. Uh, so Leon goes up 1-0. Um, game two, Tien gets off to a very fast start. Uh, while Leon is casting Serum Visions to kind of sculpt his hand and find the combo, um, eventually Leon gets down a Pestermite. Keon responds, however, with Searing Blaze, which gets countered, and then he plays another Searing Blaze.
1: That does oh. not get
0: countered, and that takes, and that's actually enough damage to, to win the game. Uh Pestermite yeah. is not the one with the four-butt. Like, it's the one with the one-butt, which is not good. Yeah. I mean, it's good, but it's not a four-butt. No, against the burn deck, like that's not the one you want to Super see. Super relevant. Yeah, you really want to see the Deceiver Exarch, but oh well. He saw Pestermite. I mean, if he didn't have the burn, he wins off of it, so is what it is. Okay, game three. Tion gets Leon down to eight life, with just burn and goblin guide attacks. Um two snapcasters getting back bolt uh slows Tion down quite a bit. Then Splinter Twin gets cast, which was responded with destructive revelry, okay? So I kill the deceiver XR.
1: <clears throat> yeah, you get one token.
0: Yes. Uh, however, uh Lee fell to four to life on Delmaral's attack. Leon swings again, but a bolt uh saves Tion for a turn. Uh Tian cast his last two cards, Rift Bolt, but one of them got a Remand, and the Eidolon got a Spell Snare, and Ouch. Leon just goes, hey, I'm going to just attack with these Exarchs and win. And he yeah,
1: goes, I'll just hit you with my 1-4. Yeah, That's I'm, all I need. I'm not
0: going to combo. I'm just going to deal lethal.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, when you're a deck made out of Lightning Bolts, you know, like, that helps. Yeah, so del Ettore León wits 2-1 to one over Li Shikian, and our
0: last match in the Corner finder, Obzon being piloted by Jacob Wilson versus Splinter Twin being piloted by Yelger Vigersma. Game one, Wilson gets off to a quick lead behind a voice and a rhino. Um
1: Ooh, those are good cards in the matchup.
0: <laughs> yeah, really. Uh he was two turns away from ending the game and then Yelger was like, Eee combo? <laughs>
1: Exarch, twin, Oh, mid. you don't have the abrupt decay? That's, uh... Yeah, that's, I'm
0: sorry. Uh I win, 1-0. Uh, <laughs> yoger goes up, 1-0. Uh, game two, Will, uh Jacob Wilson, again, starts off great. He goes, no hierarch. Voice, Pride Mage. Now, Pride Mage demands an answer.
1: Yeah, yeah, because that, that just interrupts the combo.
0: Right. Um v. Yerzma happen to have Anger of the Gods. That's a pretty good answer
1: get the fuck
0: especially when voice of resurgence is on the
1: board. Oh my god, it Exiles a 2. Yeah, uh, those motherfuckers.
0: Yeah, but Wilson does get to follow with a Loxidon it on Smiter. Oh, that's a good card.
1: Unfo- I don't know if it's
0: unfortunate. Depends on who you're rooting for. But uh Yugger could not find an answer to that and I thought is removed with one uh cryptic command and that ended the game. So. Yeah, Smider can't be countered and, uh, takes two burn spells. So it you does. you want. So we're at 1-1 right now, you know, winner moves on, let's go get there. So Yelger casts, uh, Anger early on to remove a bunch of Mana Dorks that, uh, Wilson was putting out. And he, you know, Wilson starts to restart his pressure and he puts down Voice, gets a couple Lingering Souls out. However, Yoger Yil- just, uh, kinda goes, yeah, I'm gonna combo off and I have the spell to back up. Cool. And Yelgur moves on, 2-1 to one over Jim yeah. Hilton. Those Anger of the Gods doing the work. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I, Anger of the Gods, Dispel the backing up the combo is just, like, backbreaking. You can't win at that point, because you couldn't cast... Pretty pretty
1: tough. Dispel is incredibly mana efficient. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it counters everything that interrupts the combo, because they have to do it at instant speed. <laughs> they do. Uh, so now we move to the semifinals, and we
0: have Jesse Hampton versus Cohen. This is Obzon versus Amulet Bloom. And quite frankly, this is the best matchup. Of the entire tournament.
1: Oh my goodness, this match was incredible. <laughs> I was so impressed by the uh, amount of resiliency, just the, the sheer number of times that Justin Cohen had to shuffle his deck. Like, yeah. <laughs> Titan, like, get a, get a, uh, what's the land? The uh, Tolaria West, Transmute, get a Pact, get a Titan. Like, yeah. wow. Yeah, and just, I mean, it seemed like Hampton had answers, and it just,
0: it really just was a great game to watch, and with an explosive finish. Um, so game 1, Cohen keeps a uh, turn 3 winning hand. I mean it's just like this is what I'm going to keep in and I'm going to win with this. But Hampton plays Inquisition and he takes Summer Bloom. Um, that puts the kibosh on Cohen's plan. <laughs>
1: That's a little tough. I mean Summer Bloom does a lot of work.
0: Uh yeah, Hampton begins to build a board uh with a Rhino and some Lingering Soul. Uh Cohen does drop a couple Primeval Titans, but they're quickly dealt with. Um and Hampton takes game one, one zero. Oh. One okay. So Hampton, uh, strips Cohen's hand turn one and two and takes Pact of Negation and Primeval Titan. Okay, this is what a thought season in Inquisition of Kozilek. Mm. Hampton play, then plays a Golf. Uh, Cohen went nuts and used Amulet, Selesnia Charm, and Summer Bloom to make six mana. Cast Summoning Pack got a Titan. The Titan Trigger got Boros Garrison Slayer Stronghold. Attack Trigger got Gemstone Mine Simic Growth Chamber. And that was enough to just pump into the land to deal enough damage to win the fucking game. Wowzers. Um, it, I mean, the game looked like it was Jesse Hamptons and Cohen just Like this deck can do, just go, no, nah, this thing still tramples. I don't care what you have on the ground. I'm going to make this thing too big for you to deal with. Uh, game three. Now, this is the game. Th- this is just absurd what happens in this game.
1: Yeah, the... It is insane.
0: You're correct.
1: Like, there were uh, a couple of times that uh Cohen couldn't win. Well, and yet- he, like, early in the game, he he would start down a, a line, and then he would, like, kind of think himself out of it. You know, yeah. like, oh, there's an out. He has an out to that. So he just tried to play incredibly safe early and ended up making it very hard for himself. Yeah, so as the game went on,
0: progress. you know, early on, it was just kind of posturing positions. But it appeared that Hampton had it. Um. Based on this board, like, it was Avon Mind Sensor, Siege Rhino, and Tasseter.
1: Incredible. You can't, I mean, like, that's disruptive against it. Plus, like the tasker was returning at worst an abrupt decay every right. turn. And even Mind Sensor only lets him look four cards deep. So four cards deep like, is not
0: very many. This is very relevant with this amulet bloom combo. So yeah. but I mean
1: he knows he's gonna die next turn, Cohen does. So last ditch effort, um
2: I'm he actually
1: gonna... he actually had to attack twice. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like he's like attacking with a double striking primeval titan and barely getting damage through. Yeah, but he knows like if I don't do this I'm dead. Yeah. Um so he takes
0: this last ditch effort, the last chance he's gonna do this and still have a chance to actually win in this game. Um he cat or er, he attacks with his primeval titan he looks at his top four cards that the Avon mind sensor says that he has to look at in those top four cards was slayer stronghold and a vesuva
1: yeah the the first uh, the turn before that he had also attacked and revealed a colony garden to give himself the chump blocker necessary to stay alive right yeah and they like to hit the slayer stronghold which he needed for the damage yeah and win. the
0: vesuva as well he
1: needed that because yeah he because of red white
0: Yeah. which gives double strike to his fucking Primeval Titan. Crazy. Hampton tries it's just unbelievable. to buy turns. He double blocks the 8-6 double striker, um, trampling double striker, but it just wasn't enough. And out of nowhere, Cohen just takes this game 2-1. It was like just- Yeah, Primeval Titan is huge. Stupid. Um, He's so big. Like, go back like and man, watch, man, that guy was a mistake.
1: Legitimately, go back and watch game three of that. I gave it no justice. Yeah, I mean it was it was legitimately a thirty-five minute game. I mean it was very back and forth. There were swings. There was like a hornet queen uh-huh. that got played, and like all four of the tokens and the hornet queen eventually left the board. Yeah, like incredible.
0: Yeah, it was an insane match. Like I, I only have so much paper to write notes on. <laughs>
1: so yeah.
0: please go back watch that one. If there's one that I say you need to watch, it's that one.
1: Yeah, this was a man. This was a match fitting of a pro tour. So, yes.
0: And following that, we have a twin, uh, mirror match, and this one is uh, Leon versus Vigersma, and this is probably the worst match in the top eight. Like, this one didn't do anything for me. Um, game one, Yelger missed his third land drop. Ouch. Um, and Leon cast Deceiver Exarch to tap down one of yoger 's uh, steam vents.
1: Oh, no. Uh, you don't have Mana Leak available? You
0: know, um, Yelger gets an island off the top, and he uh, casts Sleight of Hand, and that guarantees him a fourth land. Um... Blood, blood Moon,
1: man on tap.
0: right? He he does get down a Blood Moon, uh, or Leon does, but uh, but with Yelger, wait, no, Yelger casts a Blood Moon. I'm sorry, my writing's bad too. Yelger casts a Blood Moon. He taps out to do that. Uh, with him tapped out, Leon's just like fine. Twin Exarch, I win. Yeah. Um, it, very anticlimactic. Very not a very good game at all. Um, game two wasn't very good either, but it lasted longer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very climactic game, because uh, Vigar's going to get stuck on two land again. Mm. When he finally gets his third, he casts a Vidillion Click, only to see a hand that has three Exarchs, two Spell Snare, a Dispel, and an Ancient Grudge. And he just says, you know what, fuck it, keep them. <laughs> I'm not going to let you dig deeper and actually find the other piece of the combo.
1: Right. Um,
0: <clears throat> a Mana Leak and a Spell Snare stop the Exarch from resolving. Next turn, however, Leon just cast another Exarch because like I said he had three of them. Wow um, and that one stuck. He attacked Yelger down to nine, and then cast the third Exarch to tap down the click. Uh Yelger tried to cryptic, but it, you know, but all that did was suck out one of the dispels. Yeah. And uh a little spell battle happened over the Delkin Shackles. This was kind of Yelger Vigersma's last ditch effort. Um but after a few spells, you know, resolved the dispel this of that, you know. Eventually uh Leon goes, ah, Snapcaster Mage, gets back counter, wins that fight, wins that match 2-0. Mm. You know, the twin match is over. The twin mirror matches over. Whatever you want to say, it's over. So our finals is Leon ver- Del Morale, Leon versus Justin Cohen, Amulet versus Twin. Okay. Couple of couple of decks that uh can get pretty unfair. Yeah, a couple of unfair combo decks in the finals. Go figure. Um so Cohen, he starts yeah. by playing two Amulets on turn one, or you know, in the first two turns. Okay. Yeah, and that actually does stack. You get yes, double untaps. Um he plays a Simic Growth Chamber, which creates just this stupid amount of More Man. mana <laughs> Uh which he used to cast Summer Bloom. Oh or Oast Garrison off of it, and he could produce fifteen mana on turn three. I'll repeat that. 15 mana on turn 3. Emrakul. Cool. <laughs> um, Domoral clicked and saw, uh, Pack the Negation and Ancient Stirrings, and he just kind of said, Keep them. Keep them. <laughs> oh, I, I have nothing. Uh, next turn, a Talari West goes and gets a, uh, Summers pack. That was his top Shit. deck. Which got him a Primeval Titan. He attacked with the Titan the following turn. A Pestermite was played by Leon to tap the Titan, but uh remember that pack thing? yeah, the pack, um oh yeah, you can, you can it got played, spells. but yeah. Leon cast a spell. let's see, don't have to pay for my pack then, so you know that's good, I don't have to pay for it great, but if Leon top decks twin, to it's over. It did not come, and Cohen just kind of finishes it from there. He has a big Titan, remember, <laughs> so Cohen up one zero, uh game two, uh Cohen sets up his combo a bit late uh and Del Morale plays Blood Mood. Um, and in case you don't know... <laughs> oh, no. Your deck does not, <laughs> This deck does not run very many red things. And... Um, is one forest. Yeah. It's, one basic it's, land.
1: Yeah, it's no basics,
0: basically, except for the one forest. So, like, this it's deck... It's one that,
1: nature's claim in the sideboard. Like, like, one swan song. This is this deck's only real way of winning. You know, it cannot be a stuck Blood Moon. There's just no way. No, there's no... There are... There's two outs. One is to counter it. One is to nature's claim it. Yeah, so like I can sit here and try and tell you what
0: happened the rest of the game, but really all you need to know is he played Blood Moon. So the so, own win.
1: Nothing happened. <laughs>
0: You're right. Um, game three, now we're tied 1-1. Uh, Del Moral costs Spellskite, which could protect his Blood Moon if he finds it. Um, a bit of jockeying happened in the following turns. Um, Cohen used a summoner's pack to get a Primeval Titan. Uh, Leon cast Blood Moon the next turn. Cohen was unable to pay for his own pact, oh. So he lost. Oh,
1: how's it feel now, buddy? <laughs> you can't pay for packs, huh? Yeah, I know that game.
0: Um so you know, that puts Leon up two one. So, Leon wins this next one, it's over, because remember, in the finals of the Pro Tour, they pay five rounds, not three. Best five. Yes. I
1: actually really like the move to only best of five in the finals.
0: Me too, because some of these
1: days were long watching awesome. the finals. Not even just that, but it, it gives the finals an extra sense of ports. Like, it does. That's the only game of Magic that's ever five rounds anymore. It is, I mean. Pro Tour,
0: you know, that's sweet. There's definitely a, an argument for saying the whole top eight should be five <laughs> rounds, because it really, really does is. take out some of the variance. That you but it also add you know, create.
1: Yeah, it also puts more emphasis on post-sideboarding
0: uh games, you know. It does, which I don't think that's a bad thing. Though. No, it's
1: not a bad thing at all. It actually, you know, promotes better deck building for the whole
0: 75. Right, right. But, you know, again, it does also speed things up on, because realistically on Sunday when you're watching every single match, Yeah. if you add two games to every one of those, like, it's yeah, already it's a, a it's long It's
1: a 14-hour day. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, it's already a long day, and this speeds it up quite a bit. So we're into the fourth game. Okay, a spell stare by Leon stops a very early summer bloom. Um, Leon casts Pestermite during Cohen's upkeep to force him to only have one mana. The ne- and his one mana, and this is the unfortunate part, was a gemstone mine with only one mana. Oh, on. that's so bad. So he has to use it. The next turn, Leon casts an Exorc, saying, hey, let's tap that man now. <laughs> okay, so he's just, like, denying them mana. Um then another. He does it twice in a row to him, and it's just like, oh my god! Tempo. Then, yeah. Then Leon casts a click. Uh, didn't care about what he saw. <laughs> he attacked the following turn. Um, Cohen had nothing, and he was staring at lethal. Um, and then yeah, he, it just went unfair. fair. He said he put out his hand, and that was it. And we have our first ever Spaniard to win a Magic: The Gathering Pro Tour, uh, Mr. Leon Del Moral Leon. What was his first name again?
1: (laughs) Antonio. Antonio. Was it Antonio? Yeah, Antonio Del Moralio.
0: Okay. It's such a long name. I only wrote like Leon on all of them. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's awesome. Okay, but yeah, absolutely. um, He's only 20. Young man. Young man. And, you know, the full first Spaniard to do it, like that's, that's pretty kick-ass. I
1: mean, yeah, to be the first of anyone, I mean, this guy's gonna be a fucking hero in Spanish magic. Like, oh. it, it could very well promote, like, like a, like a, it becoming a Germany or a France, where now all of a sudden they're just a magic country.
0: Right, yeah, all of a sudden you'll have, you know, 15 people come out of that country, right. that least exactly. can just house people. Yep. Um, so that's really cool, it's always good to see that. Um, now, I know we talked a lot a couple weeks ago about the bannings, and, you know, now that we've seen the Pro Tour, um, now obviously I had harsh opinions on the way I felt about the bannings, and do I still agree with them? Or do I still not agree with them? Not completely. Like, I- I- Dude, I'm so glad I didn't have to watch pod matches all day, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, but I still saw a lot of Abzan, which a lot of times when you're watching them, it's like, this is a bad pod. Yeah,
1: but the <laughs> the thing about it is though, is that the Abzan index. I mean, they they represented themselves pretty well, but it's not like they were dominant. They, right? um, so, like, I think people will move off of them in the future. There are obviously better strategies. Yeah, I mean, I'm still, I'm probably more on
0: board with the banning of... uh Treasure Cruise? No, with Pod than Treasure Cruise. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't Sh- mind seeing one Pro Tour with Treasure Cruise just to see exactly what it would have done to it. Well, I know what it would have done to it. See, I don't know.
1: It, and, would, have put, it would have put three decks in the top eight.
0: Okay, and, you know, Twin was already there with two copies, so that was one of them, you know, and then probably would have put a Delver there,
1: okay, you know, I just... I, I, it it would have put a burn deck there. It would of. have, probably. It would have put, it would have, I mean, like, the burn deck that Seth Mansfield played would have Treasure Cruise in Which it. Which already
0: had burn decks in the top eight anyway. That's why, I mean, like, yeah. I don't know that it changes the top eight completely. Well, anyway.
1: but what, it, it's this, it's a similar effect to, um what was the one mana counter called the, uh. Mental Misstep. Ca- yeah, the Mental Misstep mistake. You know, where just, where it's so accessible that everyone can run it and everyone does run it, then, like, I don't know. It's not a basic land. It's being every day,
0: okay. I'll be. I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't have bought Seek one pro tour with it. That's
1: true. You know, I wouldn't have either because you know. I mean, I don't feel the Blues getting all the love right now, so I think they. Sh- I mean, they obviously always do, but uh, I mean, I, it would have been sweet. I still like, feel to me.
0: I still feel like they jumped the gun a
1: little bit on that one.
0: Like they didn't really let it play out. The seat for sure. Yeah, I. I, like, I, I you will, know what? There's a lot I of won't like, argue like, that,
1: but I do. I do absolutely think the birthing pod needed to go. I'm very glad it did. I think and that really, was a good ending. I, I yeah. thought that this was a really sweet and and healthy format. I was really excited to watch it. I didn't get bored of the matches at all, and, like, I'm actively looking forward to the next modern event, you know?
0: Oh, that's cool. Um,
1: I don't know if I'm still there yet, I mean, but, I mean, it's... Well, so, you know, my favorite format was always old extended. You know, when extended was, you can pretty much play anything you want as long as it's not, like... All the really crazy broken stuff is also, like, fragile as well. Yeah. Um, Old Extended was fun. Oh, like, the best format
0: ever. They ruined Old Extended when they made a double standard. It's like, why the fuck would you do that?
1: Yeah, when they started rotating it, it used to just be, like, from Ice Age to to Current with... And then you had access to all the dual lands as well. And, like, that was a really wonderful, wonderful format. It it went from literally
0: the last seven years, because that's what it was. Extended was the last seven years of Magic, to the last
1: two standards. It's like... So you took off three fucking years of sets... Well, I mean, it used to. I mean, it was even. I guess at that point in time, it was seven years when they started doing the rotation. Yeah, that's yeah. when
0: they first started yeah, in ninety five, two thousand two. Yeah, I mean, but it was just like it took you back so far. It really didn't matter. It was a long period of time, um, and it, that kind of disappointed me when they changed it to double standard. And then they was like, well, no one likes extended anymore.
1: You know, let's let's get rid of extended. Modern's modern's cool. And I is. think I think it's a sweet format. I uh, I think it's only going to get better from here as they are. Obviously now going to have to put a lot more effort into their into their development for new sets, keeping an eye on modern. So, like, I think that will also uh, allow them to build some cards tailored towards modern and understand a little bit better how to build a new modern archetype.
0: Yeah, I will say it's time to reprint, Goyce.
1: It's definitely time to reprint Goyf again. It'd be like you probably need to just reprint Goyf in a normal well, set. Well, but you can't do that because its power level is absurd. But you need to get that many copies out,
0: dude. You want to sell Origins? Put Goyf in there. You'll sell them. <laughs> yeah, fuck but out like, of Origins. like,
1: what's that going to do to standard, Angelo? Not, not as much as I think people. I, I mean, it's it. still a really good card. Don't it's get me gonna wrong. Make, it's going to make it terrible. It's going to make it so that this guy that my green deck played on turn two has to be answered immediately because if we get to turn six, it's going to be a 5-6.
0: But it wasn't terrible the first time around. It didn't completely dominate the first time around as standard, if you think back.
1: No, oh, but people did, people didn't play it. Was it was
0: the joke, you know, it needs more If You'd be running, running like mono blue and they're like, needs more gois. Yeah,
1: I mean, people, people didn't play it as much as, you know, it could have been, but like, it would I definitely.
0: Think they could balance a format to where it wouldn't be run as much. But I, uh, no. I want it in this format, no, because, you know, the fetch lands and the cons cards, like, that's bad. It's
1: I don't just know. You, I've, easy to play. You'd have to really limit, like, maybe if you made an exile, like an exile block where, like, like everything is delving away cards and everything is about getting your graveyards as tiny as possible, maybe you could put a goyfin. I think you could do it if you made
0: a block that just says, you know, single color legitimately matters. You know, because you can make the colors balance each other out. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, then green, you know, green's going to have to be quite a bit weaker overall to support something like that. It one. would, but it could be done. That's all i It could be, it could be. See, but, I mean, I don't, in a bl- you know, you could make it happen in a block, but to make two whole years of magic, three whole years it's, of magic as one on either side of it. Dude, it's only 18 months too now standard. Well, it's still, but it's still gonna be on either side of it. Yeah. Right. So Well like, it's only eighteen months that it's in standard
0: because that's the way the sets break down now. It's like this set comes out there's as no, you go. Eighteen months is a long time. It is. But it's only a year and a half compared to two years like it was. Um either way, I mean they're two hundred bucks, they need reprinted. <laughs> so the moment that Will's been waiting for all day. I know this. Uh, I love PT Fantasy. So we played our PT Fantasy last week, um, and here's how it broke down. Uh, my first pick was Yuki Ichikawa. He finished 20th, earning job. 10 points. Great job. Um, couldn't be prouder. Uh, Stanislav Sivka was Will's pick. Uh, he finished 43rd, and he earned
1: seven points. That's what I'm looking for for my first pick, the guaranteed top 64.
0: Now, the way I did this, just so everybody knows, is I did it purely based off of pro points earned. I, I, that's just the fairest way in my eyes. Um McLaren will second pick. He finished 344th. Ooh. Earning will three points because really? showing up gets you three
1: points. I'm so sorry, Mr. Edel. I swear to God, you'll be on my next team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my next team, John Finkel, Willie Edel, and Stanislav Sivka. <laughs> <laughs> so. My second pick was Owen Turtenwald, and he finished seventh,
0: uh, 75th, giving me six points. So two picks in, I have 16 points. Will has 10. Cool. Yep, so man. Oh, yeah, man. So my last pick is Ben S. He earns me three points going 301st, mm. but Will's last pick <laughs> finished seventh place. And here's it's the thing. Wilson. I'm at 19 points. Will's at ten, like anything under nine points, I win. He, Jacob Wilson goes and doubles that and gets eighteen points. Uh, yeah, I, I felt very confident in my Jacob Wilson pick. Jacob Wilson, uh, that was that was your ringer. He literally got one point less than my entire team <laughs> because top eight is weighed so heavily. Yeah, you get a lot of pro points for top eighting a pro um, tour, so. as it should be, though. Yeah, um, absolutely. But when you look at the funny thing, and this is kind of hilarious, um, he beat me on average finish as well. But Will's average finish was 131st place. Where my average finish was 132nd place, <laughs> so Ooh, the eight, narrowest of margins. That pop eight meant a lot. Um, yeah, it congratulations, did. Will.
1: Thank you. No, it was a it was a good match. Yeah, That's it was a lot closer than the last one that I was in. My last one was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Yuki showed up. You know, 20th place. Like he was real close for sure. Yeah, he just keeps showing up. Um, I know. He's legit. You know, two years in.
0: He was looking at his third possible Pro Tour Top 8 late into the day, um, and he's only been in the Pro Tour for, like, I think this is his fifth one. Wow. Um, It's just, he's playing at an absurd level, and he's here to stay. Um, Yeah, it's kind kind of fell apart late for you. He was... He was rocking right up air with, you know, top 20,
1: it looked yeah, like. I'm, I'm very glad to see it too. I love Japanese magic and uh, I'm glad to see them, you know, becoming very strong again when they haven't, you know, been quite up to their normal level of expectation. Right, right. Um, but yeah, that's that.
0: Um, we're going to take a small break and we'll be right back. Hey, you buy singles. What about sealed product for your drafts? I'm sure you gotta buy this stuff somewhere. Well, let me recommend to you Titan Game Shop in Hopewell, Pennsylvania, just north of Pittsburgh. They ship internationally for singles and for sealed product, they can ship it anywhere in the US and to any foreign military bases. So, if you're in the military and, you know, you need your fix on cards, you know, they can send them to you. They also run tournaments every single day. It's absurd. And they have some big ones coming up that you might want to attend yourself. They have a standard IQ on February 22nd. They also have a GP trial for Atlantic City on February 28th. And let's not forget, a new set is coming out soon. So Dragons of Tarkir pre-release on May, May, March, March 21st. You can find these guys at titangameshop.com. That's T-A-I-T-A-N-G-A-M-E-S-H-O-P.com. You can also find them on TCG Player under Titan Game Shop and at Facebook.com backslash Titan Gameshop. Check these guys out. Their prices are fair and they're definitely worth giving a shot. And if you do decide to buy something, let them know that the Pit not sent you there. That way they know that it was worth them putting in their advertising dollars for this. Again, that's TitanGameshop.com. Check them out. Well, well, I mean, we've been on
1: this call a long time, but you know, we gotta finish up the way we always finish up. Yeah. Uh, what's the hell you been up to, man? Dude, I actually have a great what the hell I've been up to. Um Sweet. I actually have been doing a lot this week with my life, which is good, but um specifically my, I was playing Dungeons and Dragons, uh, with my, with my group this week. Uh, actual Dungeons and Dragons or Hearthstone? Pathfinder. Pathfinder, I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, Hearthstone. Fuck <laughs> that okay, game. So, uh, we, uh, Heart sounds sweet. I like it. I can't um, stand it. It, it. It's a watered down version of another game. It's not like though. It. It's it's a different game entirely. It's very good. I like it. <laughs> but, uh, so, we've been working on this dungeon for like three weeks now, and we have finally gotten to the boss monster, which is, uh, just really, really amazing. It's this, um it's this female crypt thing, which is kind of like the crypt keeper from Tales from the Crypt, except, uh, like a lady, and she has extremely powerful magics, and she has this, specific spell just to her where, uh, farther up in the dungeon, actually on the other side of a, a, a wall of force that took like an entire session to get past, uh, there is a, there's a room full of sarcophagi that are bound to her and she teleports you inside of the sarcophagus and like, uh, like from the mummy, all these beetles start to eat your flesh, uh, and you die trapped inside this, this sarcophagus already. Uh, which is great, and I'm and I'm down on players, so there's only three of them, and two players fail the save, so they're in the coffins and they're dying, they're taking constitution damage and freaking out and dying, like, ugh, within three turns. So the only person left is my mage, um, which I think is good, which is great, but unfortunately, because it's the mage... Uh, he is able to teleport through the dungeon to the room immediately in one turn, which sucks. And then secondly, so it's this little tiny female halfling is the character. She is 28 pounds, she is 2 foot 8, and this is a 500 pound marble sarcophagus list. <laughs> 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 so, so. She goes to push it, right? And literally, the only way that she can move this is with a 20. And sure enough... I can't believe she can move it with a 20. 20 always always is a I know. success, always... according to the rules of the game. So sure enough, <laughs> <realistically>. <laughs> my friend John Groff rolls the 20... And we erupt as loud as four nerds in a basement can get. And he runs around doing airplanes around the basement. And because of the way we played Pathfinder, every time a player rolls a 20 or a one, someone's taking shots. Uh, so we, we did a, our first ever full, full party shot to congratulate this 20, which is by far the clutchest 20 I've ever seen in a game as a player or a DM. Like this was full party death. In yeah. Turns. It's over. This like, was, it's over. <laughs> Because the people inside the, the sarcophagus and, like, that's where our monk is, our big strong dude, but because he's boxed up, he has a strength penalty and he's losing, I mean, he's dead in two turns. And then, like, just this tiny little fucking halfling just shatters this fucking 500-pound red marble lid and, <laughs> and then they kill me the next turn. So that was just really, really awesome. Um But uh, I played some Magic, too. Played uh, an online draft, got a, a really nice saltide deck put together and realized that, I'm not very good at Magic Online when I've been drinking and haven't played in a while. I uh, missed a lot of Archer's Parapet triggers, um, wow. but still made it to the finals. And uh, everything was looking really good until uh, my opponent resolved a Merciless... What's his dude's name? He's the new uh, Rage Forger? He went. Whenever uh, a creature yeah. attacks, uh, you, your opponent loses a life and you gain a life. Yeah, the 3-3 three, three without haste, but he's really, really yeah. good. He can, that guy. he can declare your blocks for you. Right, that guy. <laughs> so like, I totally let that resolve even though I had a disdainful stroke in my hand. Oops. Yeah. Yeah, you don't let that resolve. I mean, I, it was late and I was tired and drinking, but you <laughs> know, I probably should have won that. Like, my, my deck was awesome. Uh, and then I, I played a draft of Titan games on Monday, uh, in paper, and I played a blue-white strategy, which, wow. Well, I thought was really good. Two soul summons, two right into beings, two um, oh by the way, we did two fate reforged and uh, one con, so it was a little bit different, okay. which made me feel a lot that much more comfortable in the blue-white archetype. Um two of the the gin, the uh, lotus, path, lotus gin. path
0: gin, yeah. Good yeah, part. Right.
1: And then like um reasonable removal and just pretty much everything I wanted except for like no real bomb bomb, but just all the tempo and and good stuff. uh uh-huh. Um You do miss out on two packs or or a pack of possible crippling chills. Like that's big for that deck. Yeah, and I didn't have crippling chills, um, but I did have Will of the Naga twice. Yeah, it costs so, six though. Yeah, but it has Delve. It does. It I does. was playing it for about four. Okay. Um but uh I won the games. Where fair magic happened, and I lost to the deck that had two marbles in it. Okay, cool. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's not fair. I mean, that's just like, uh, the, the tri- and it's, it's okay to say now because I think triple, uh, Fate Reforged is over online. Yeah. But did you hear what the gimmick deck was for that? No. Take all the lightning shriekers you can get. Yeah. You literally cannot lose. I believe that entirely. It's just absurd, man. You get the five mana, you win. It it just happens every
1: time because you get, like, nine fucking lightning streakers. Because everyone's
0: like, this card's
1: garbage. And you're like, okay. I actually (laughs) thought it overperformed. I only had one copy of it, but I ended up seeing it a couple different times. Yeah, I mean, you you get, like, five, six, seven of them. It's just – I mean, and
0: all you need is just, like – the, the dumbest like oh three or oh four to block up the board for a couple turns right. just to get you to that point. Once you're five man, you just go nuts and deal five every turn. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was my week. Um, sweet. Sweet. Yeah. Um, my week, I like I watched the pro tour. That obviously sucked up a lot of it. Um, yeah, I did have my basketball game Saturday. I'm proud of uh, my team. They actually beat an undefeated team this week. Good nice. on them! Uh, you know, we're gonna see them again in the playoffs. I'm proud of them. Um, but mainly, I played a lot of Magic. So sweet. Um, I got in two sealed events. One of them being Premier. Uh, so that's like seven rounds plus top eight. Yeah, I saw you posting that on the Facebook. Um, I finished just outside of prizes in that. My deck was. <sighs> It was very good on the top end, and decent on the low end, terrible in the middle end. So, like, it kind of put me in a spot where, like, my middle drops just really weren't there. Yeah, your fours and fives just couldn't get you to your sixes. It was actually, like, my threes and fours. Like, my, I had a bunch of twos. I had very little threes, very little fours. Yeah, that's And dumb. then my fives and sixes were amazing. I mean, just absurd. Like, I had the big uh, elephant that brings the bolsters. Uh, yeah, that guy's good. I had Solomgar.
1: I went Solomgar. That's good. I
0: had uh, Thousand wins. Wow. Yeah. So I'm like, if I get to the late game, I win, right? You know? But there was games I didn't get to the late game, or I had mana issues, or something stupid like that. Um But I finished just outside of prizes, and I had lost on tiebreakers from you know getting surprised. Okay, you know, out of 100 and some players, I finished like top, I think I was 37th. So okay. You know, yeah, I'll take seventh or 39th. I don't know, something like that. But you know, okay, cool. I'm in the top 40. I'm fine with that, I guess. You know, for a deck that I knew had flaws coming in, so I felt good about that. I got in about six drafts this week as well. Um, I played a lot of Magic. Uh, I, have, I have found
1: myself, for some reason with the new set, I have being drawn towards Saltai. Uh, yeah, I also think that... I was having a conversation yesterday that I think that Saltai has gained the most from the new set.
0: Yeah, I, I don't really know why. I mean, I just... I found myself drafting a lot of Saltai in the last week or so, and, you know, I've gotten away from Mardu, finally. I mean, that's cool. I haven't drafted a Mardu deck in forever. (laughs) At least in the last week. And, you know, I've played a lot of games, so... Like, yeah, I mean, it's... It's cool. So I got to play a lot of magic. Great. Uh, what have you? But you know what? We've been on this call a long time, so I don't want to continue talking.
1: Um, do you have any shout outs, Will? Uh, yeah, I would like to give a shout out to, uh, John Groff. I'd love to give a shout for, uh, to Jim and, or sorry, John and Chris at, uh, Titan. I really genuinely like those guys a lot and like their shop a lot. I'm very glad that they are taking an interest in us. Yeah. Um, shout out to Jared Detweiler because, uh, I mean, I guess he deserves it. Yep. That's it. Okay. Um, I
0: first want to give a shout out to Colton Delaney. Delaney, And with that comes an announcement. Um, Later on, I'm going to talk about a GoFundMe. Uh, What Colton has done is he has put a playmat up to the person who donates the most by the end of March. Um, He was saying the end of this month, but it's so late in the month now that I figure, you know what, I'll put it up until the end of March. He's going to give out a playmat that he has. He has a lot of amazing playmats, so.
1: He has some really sweet playmats.
0: So you're gonna get something really cool from him to whoever uh, donates the most in the next, you know, month and a half. Here's the catch. I already got somebody who's given a 100 in the past month, so.
1: Yeah, we luck. had a good week this week. Thank you very much, guys. Shout <laughs> out to uh those
0: people. Um, those let, people. Let me give a shout out to Kirk Medford and Justin McHugh. Those are two big donors in the past week. Um, I also need to give a shout out to Raging Gumby for, uh he recorded with me on the Inps Prison. That should be up. I don't know when it goes up. When I feel like editing it, you'll hear it. <laughs> I also need to give a shout out again to uh John and Chris from uh Titan Games. Uh, I, I didn't know them until I went up there last week and actually sat down with them and got to talk to them. And I was up there for three hours, really getting to meet these guys and
1: top notch. Yeah, I, I had the the fortune of playing there for quite a few weeks before I got, uh, broken up to take out of, be taken out of the game again. Yeah,
0: they're top notch people and I am very glad that they decided to, uh, and kind of honored at the same time, you know, that they've decided to attach their name to our name, um, for the foreseeable future, so like that's absurdly cool and thank you again, guys. um but aside from that, I have no more shout outs. I do have to beg for money, though you should give us money,
1: yeah, me. we need to we, we we will be we will just be make better plays with it than you would okay
0: uh, <laughs> here's the deal. listen, I know I say this every week, blah blah blah, look five dollars from our listeners, each one of you, and I know how many of you are out there because I get numbers every month telling me how many downloads we have. Individual downloads. So it's not like one person is downloading it 300 times and I'm seeing an inflated number here. If every listener is nice enough to, you know, just give us five bucks one time.
1: Five dollars a year.
0: Um, and you know what? I, a lot of people have just, you know, handed us five bucks and it's very appreciated because if every listener does give us five bucks, then this dream that we have will come true. That's all it takes is five dollars from you guys. Um, so please, if you can, you know, hook us up again, if, you can't make your rent because you give me $5. Don't give me the $5. Yeah,
1: don't do it. I'll give you $5 to make your rent,
0: bro. Right. Like, but if you can, you know, say, hey, I don't need to buy one pack of cards. I'm going to send this money to them. Great. I know one person, he got a hold of me. He's sending me a two fetches, and he said Sweet. sell them and put the money into the GoFundMe, which I am going to do. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, please help us out as much as you can. Obviously, you know, the people who put in big amounts of money, hey, thank you, guys. You fuckers are great. But
2: yeah, realistically,
0: off. all I need is $5 from each one of you guys. Okay, so I've begged for enough money. Um, if you want to get a hold of me – oh, and by the way, that stuff, will, the link to it will be in the show notes – now, if you want to get a hold of me, you can get a hold of me at Goksu on uh, Twitter and on Magic Online, which I've been on a lot lately. And that's G-A-N-K-S-U-O-U. I added somebody new to the clan this week. Ask to join the clan. We'll put you right in. Also, if you uh, had something a little long form that you wanted to hit me with, podcast at com. Good place to, you know, shoot me a letter, hate mail, whatever. I don't care. Just send it to me. That way I have something to read. Uh, aside from that, Will, oh yeah, in imp's
1: prison every couple weeks or so. <laughs> Will, how would people get a hold of you? Um, man, you could get a hold of me on Magic Online now as well. I'm Will underscore Flacid. Check me out. Uh, also, you know what? I'm a Facebook troll. I'm not going to deny it. I spend all day, every day, on the Pit Imp's Facebook page. You should do that too. You should join. You got a smartphone. You could just look at it all the time and push the buttons because there's like... Hundreds of posts happening every week. It is so fun. I thought you was gonna say there's like hundreds of buttons on your phone. Yes, there is. No, I, no. <laughs> come on, your phone's smart. It's flat. It's got a it's got like a glass on it that has everything you could ever want. It's clearly yeah, just made out you, of magic. I have a hundred emojis. Like
0: you know, just get on here and. But emoji. they're not
1: buttons though. I have buttons on my phone that they're, like you push them and they're buttons. They're buttons. You have a fucking touch screen. They're buttons, but they're, buttons. they're not. They're, they're not. just they're it's different types of, of buttons. Angela, when you turn your phone off or the buttons still there no okay they're virtual buttons they're great I I have an emoji of poop (laughs) that's great I'm so happy it's a smiling piece of poop Uh, well uh, yeah I'm also uh, I'm on League of Legends as lost my donkey and uh, you can get a hold of me directly on Facebook because I would love for all of you to be my Facebook friends facebook.com slash bad dinner
0: and a link to that will also be in the show notes so you can hit them directly up you don't have to go through the the, the, the fan club if you don't want to I mean I mean, I like friends. I know, I know. do. Um, so, next week we have a standard Grand Prix to go over. I mean, we got to get our heads out of the modern game, and we got to get back into standard. I'm excited. I like standard. Yeah, I'm kind of excited as well. I mean, like you know, this past week of really like hammering down, watching all the modern like. I'm excited
1: for some standard now because let's be realistic. There's a lot of modern. (laughs) It's a lot. I mean, it's just, it's, and it's a high power level of magic too. It's going to be fun to see like less good cards and more mana to get spent. Yeah. Seeing Hordling outbursts get thrown around like forward to seeing
0: it. Um, we also have something special next week. Um, I can't put it out there yet. You're going to have to wait a week, come back and you'll find out something, um, about the show, but until next week.
1: Man, I really need a sign-off. make one up. Um, I guess I'm just not creative.
0: I mean, what was it?
1: Balls and Dixon. Balls and
0: Dixon. (laughs) Dixon, Saks, and Dixon, Saks, Dixon, Saks. Oh, have a good one, folks, and go fuck yourself.